crazy for feeling so lonely. Crazy Talk. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of Crazy Talk. Um, this is your host, KYT. We actually took a one-week break, so I had to take a pause there, just as I don't remember how to start this show, but uh, this is KYT. We have Alex, Frank, and um, John Medina, who's running late, but uh, we do have a special guest at least. Um, Alex, you want to introduce him? We've got here, we've got David Kaplan, winner of the CMT Canadian Magic Tour Legacy portion, as well as the creator of Canadian Threshold. And you top aided uh, the GP, GP Chicago, right? Yeah. Which was Legacy? Yep. Wow. That's, I so mean. Basically an old school Legacy player. Yeah. <laughs> Legacy superstar David Kaplan, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't isn't Legacy superstar like reserved for Mark's son? I mean, uh, well, no, no. I think uh, yeah. we can uh, we can spread the love around. All right, all right. Let's spread the love then. <laughs> I mean, at least the Canadian Legacy superstar. <laughs> all right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> well, that's quite a quite a resume. I mean. Um, so we'll start actually with the five questions to, to get this started. Sure. So, uh, which we call the five and, and we've already prompted David to prepare him a bit. So we'll go right ahead. Question one. David, how did you get into Legacy? Um, well, I got into Legacy. I, I was originally just a vintage player. So all I played was vintage. I owned power. I, I loved vintage. I wouldn't play any other format. And slowly but surely, my friend Lamb started selling me on his newest deck, which was his new version of Canadian Threshold, right before Grand Prix Columbus. And the deck was just so much fun to play and so crazy good that I needed to play Legacy because it felt like vintage. So I went to GP Columbus and ended up doing pretty well. I think I came 67th there with the deck. I won a few tournaments with it, and I just fell in love with the deck, so I just kept playing Legacy because the deck was so much fun. And that deck's kind of sold me on competitive magic. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. What's your favorite magic card? Um, my favorite magic card is definitely Psychotog. I think that card was awesome because it was the creature was so good it saw play in Vintage. That, that was so rare. Like Goblin Welter, Welder and Psychotog were the only two at the time. So I, I really appreciated that card. Okay. Question three. What... Do you want to be known for in the magic community, and why should we care? <laughs> uh, I'd like to be known for being able to play anything. I play limited, I play legacy, I play vintage, I play standard, I'll play absolutely anything. Uh, I just love playing magic, and I want to be known for that, playing everything. Hmm. Uh, that's a great answer. Um, question. Yeah, I, I, I feel uh. just like that, too, you know, like... <laughs> that I, it's, it's the one of the greatest appeal of Magic that like there's so many ways that you can play it, and all of them are fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's some people prefer certain types, and some people prefer other types. Like you know, there's a variant for each type of person. <laughs> yeah. 
there's like there's people that like me that actually like current standard. <laughs> yeah. The minority. Yeah. They're, they're called they're called inmates. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna form a support group. <laughs> yeah, you, you need you need to see a therapist. <laughs> um no, I, I'm fine with current standard. <laughs> Question. Whoa, whoa, that that sir, that is crazy talk. <laughs> Question four: If you got into a bar fight, David, and you could pick one member of the magic community to have your back, who would be your pack one pick one? Oh, that's a tough one. I think I'm gonna go with an ex member of the magic community and okay. go with uh, Chris Cavanaugh because he's so bro. That guy would have your back in any sort of fight, no matter what. He'd just be down for it. <laughs> was he a big guy? Or? Yeah, he was pretty big. <laughs> All right. Alex? Well, now for the question number five. What's the craziest thing you've ever done? <laughs> I really didn't like this question. <laughs> So, I'm going to kind of change it a little bit. It's it's going to be a little bit of a brag, but it was a pretty crazy month. So, I'm going to talk about my month of, my last month. Um, last month, I moved to Ottawa on the 1st. If you guys have read MTG Ontario, I wrote an article about this this week. Uh, I moved to Ottawa the 1st and decided I wanted to play some limited. So, I hopped on to Moto. My good friend, Glenn... Uh, he helped, he, we practiced the draft format so much and so much that we decided it would be fun to queue for the end of season championships. So we literally drafted straight for about a month, like every night, five or six hours of drafts, seals, anything we could get our hands on to play the new format. So we must have practiced this format more than anyone else. We were constantly in drafts, constantly in seals, and we, we were really hoping it would pay off. So we decided to like run all the triple NPH drafts, learn the format. It was a really interesting. And then we got to the championship series. We each qualified and we decided we played in it. Um, we both opened pretty good pools. Uh, mine was quite a bit better, a lot faster. And uh, somehow, by some miracle, after taking a loss in the fourth round, I ended up nine one and I ended up top eighting. Uh, which is pretty crazy because the prizes for this event are like absurd, <laughs> like, like yeah. beyond absurd. So we were very excited to be on the top eight, but we we also hadn't didn't really know what the prizes were. We thought we'd just like go to Worlds or like we didn't know really what it was. So I was I played my top eight round like the top eight draft, and we ended up with a like it was kind of a mediocre deck. It was it was it was pretty fast. It had a few good rares: Azuri's Brigade, Sunblast Angel. Uh, but had cards like Rod Hysterix and things like that. And we were so amazed to have won it. And I think that that is probably my biggest accomplishment and the craziest thing I've ever done because we just literally grinded Moto nonstop for a month and it just shows how much that practice plays off in Magic. Hmm. So, so what did you actually win? Or are you like qualified for a Pro Tour or something? Or uh, Well, I qualified for... Uh, World, the World Championships, and okay. I qualify for the Moto World Championships, which wow. I get to play uh, in a 12-person tournament where first prize is $25,000 and last prize is $4,000. So I get to play in two huge events 
And, and you get do you get like your your travel expense uh, paid to or uh, by the money in the uh, in Moto Worlds. Yeah, that guys is what we call a high EV tournament. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was it was actually that was probably the craziest thing I've ever did just because of how much time and dedication we put into it and how much fun it was. Awesome. Yeah. All right, we're going to be see, seeing David Kaplan at Worlds. So <laughs> I'm not going to be playing Legacy, which resume. should be new. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's another thing on your resume that I, I forgot to uh, what to put in there. Well, most so. most people don't know about it because it's an online event and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really show much. So, mm-hmm. but like extremely impressive, and uh, I hope you end up doing well at Worlds. Anyway. Yeah, so do I. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun. Have you have you played on the Pro Tour uh, like a lot or like? Uh, I played in one one PT and I did very poorly. The, okay. Like when I say I started off as a vintage player, I mean I was a vintage player until two years ago. When I played my first nationals after GP Chicago, and I played in my first Pro Tour, my, like before I played in the Pro Tour, my limit my constructed rating was fourteen ninety or sorry. 1590. Okay, so like, 1490, I was, I was. No, no, very 15, sure. <laughs> I had played almost none, so it, it was kind of really a learning experience, and so I've been spending all my time trying to learn other formats because I know the older ones so well, so I've been working on standard and I've been working on limited. Hmm. All this because of that, uh, legacy, how you, like, you slowly went from vintage to legacy to, uh, all that just because of that friend of yours that introduced you to that deck. Absolutely, absolutely. I would I would not be playing if it wasn't for him. Uh, so you would be you would still be a vintage guy. I would I would only be playing vintage because I would have never learned about that deck and it's so awesome. <laughs> so then, David, tell us about Canadian Threshold. Uh, Canadian Threshold. If you can imagine a, a version of Counterburn that actually works, it's like it's like playing Sly with blue counters in it because all the counters are free and all your mana produces either green or red because you play no basic lands. So all your mana can cast almost all your spells. So you have really quick creatures like Nimble Mongoose and Tarmogoyf, which are very hard for your opponent to deal with. And at the same time, you're disrupting them with Stifle, Wasteland, Daze, Spell Snare. Basically, you're trying to pay as little as possible to counter their more expensive spell. And that's how you gain tempo. Every turn, you're paying zero mana or you're paying one mana to counter their spell, which they paid two or three or whatever for. But because of mental misstep, that kind of sucks now, so... Or it's not as good. I'm sure that makes you sad. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. I like Stoneforge Mystic, though. That card's really crazy. Like, like, <laughs> like that card's better than Tarmogoyf, almost. It's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, David, so how did you end up creating this deck? Um... I didn't, Lamb actually created the deck, and I worked on it and tweaked it by going to tournaments. He didn't have time to play it in events, so he gave me, like, the basic list from back in the day, which had, like, werebears and stuff like that in it, and I was the playtest guinea pig, so I'd go out and make changes and create the sideboard, and then over the years, we'd develop it by adding things like Submerge, Spell Pierce to the board to help with a lot of different matchups and make the deck much more powerful. Like, the the early iterations of the deck had Werebear and didn't have Submerge and were nowhere near as powerful as the most recent version. Hmm. Submerge is a crazy card. (laughs) (laughs) 
So was it because of your GP performance that people took notice of this deck, or um, um, how Because like I hear the the word Canadian threshold a lot when when uh, we're talking about legacy. Yeah. Well, we what happened was we were living me and Lam were living in Kingston at the time, and what we do is travel to the states to like uh, New York for their big legacy events, and that's where a lot of the legacy players go. A lot of the people on the source are from New York, and we'd consistently win their tournaments. So they took notice of it first and started posting about it online, and then it it, it was already a very well known deck before the Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of reminds me of our, our Protean Hulk deck, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dave, if you were if you were thinking of playing Canadian Threshold, what changes would you make to it if if you say if you wanted to play it nowadays? Uh. I've been trying a lot of different things, so a lot of friends. It's it's very hard to get it to work. Misstep is a card that definitely needs to be in the deck. Uh, we're thinking about something like Dismember uh, as a better removal spell to deal with stuff like Knight of the Reliquary, which you just can't deal with. Um, you need a lot of burn spells, so Fire and Ice aren't that good because they're two mana. You probably want Bolts and Chain Lightnings uh, and maybe Dismember. It's the, the deck's just not as solid anymore because misstep counters mongoose and mongoose is one of your only eight creatures and with in a deck with eight creatures when they can hard counter four of them for one mana it's not that great. Mm. So you might need to play different creatures or change the color or something. I'm not sure. All right. Well, you you recently won the uh, Canadian Magic Tour Legacy in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what deck were you playing there? I was playing uh, red, white, blue Stoneforge, which splashed red for Grim Lava Mancers and red Elemental Blasts out of the board. Uh, it was basically a landstill deck uh, that was a little bit quicker because of the Stoneforge. Uh, it, it's insanely powerful. The, the deck's just so powerful. It, it really is. So... Uh, basically, I like, I like Alex. Like, isn't isn't that similar to uh, the Team Westmount deck that uh, <laughs> you guys brewed before uh, the the GP? Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty similar to that deck. Um, well, I've I've seen David's list, and he's playing like only two Grim Lava Mancers, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you're you're only the only equipment you're playing is two Batter Skulls. You're not playing any swords. Yeah, you can't play swords if you only have four creatures in your deck. Or six creatures, right? right. Well, yeah, but yeah. Grim Lavamancer is not really a creature you want to equip and get in with. I guess you could. <laughs> well, if it's a sword you're equipping or whatever, it's probably better than shooting Yeah, sword. yeah, that, that's true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so you basically think that Batter Skull is, is the nuts. Yeah, Batter Skull is absolutely insane in Legacy. It's uh, it's just it it's like a turn two Baneslayer Angel because there's so many ways to protect your Stoneforge Mystic whether you're in a Days Tempo kind of build or you're just playing Mental Misstep because that card's a four of in every deck you can counter the bolts the swords and those kind of things and almost always lay your Battle Skull on turn three if you have it. So you think like Battle Skull's actually Stoneforge Battle Skull's actually better in Legacy than it is in Standard? Absolutely, yeah. No, quite. Nobody plays Divine Offering main deck. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of format is that where you need to play Divine Offering main deck? Like, 
in Legacy, that card's so hard to deal with because the decks are very linear and they can't really afford to play those kind of hate cards main deck, like something that would snap, kill a batter skull. Like they they play creature removal. It's just it's just very hard to deal with right now unless unless the metagame evolves. Right. So you you won uh you won that tournament and uh would you change anything with from what the list you played? Uh, I'd probably change some of the sideboard cards. I had like Ether Sworn Cannonist. I went I went to the dealer and bought some before just because that's what the list online ran. Um I didn't really have much time to test it, which is why I ran it like that. I probably should have played a better anti-combo card, because that doesn't deal with decks like Reanimator and Sneaky Show and things like that. There's a lot of, like, random combo decks, which you kind of want to be prepared for. Like Aluren, like, you don't really want Canonist. You want something a little bit better. I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, so, at the CMT, KYT and I were both there. Frankie didn't come, unfortunately. Would have been sweet to have you there. But uh, KYT and I both played on the first day for standard, and then mm-hmm. on the second day we did commentary. Mm-hmm. KYT, you want to talk about that a bit? I'll join in. Um, I mean, it was it was a fun experience. I mean, I've, I'm always conflicted uh, being a contributor to to the to the Magic community as to whether I want to play or uh, commentate. It's always a, a a conflict, and and you know, I don't know if I do one, I'll regret not doing the other, but um, for sure, Sunday when me and Alex commented, I didn't regret it at all. It was a blast, and I, I ended up learning a lot. I learned the number one thing: everybody must play. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, next time I'm against anyone, you know, I'm not going to be intimidated. I mean, like we're we're all human. We're all going to make these terrible moves, and I definitely got to see a lot of it with Alex as we uh, as we went through match every single match. And uh safe to say you and Justin Richardson were the two guys that we didn't uh hate on too much, so I don't know <laughs> if you like uh uh I mean you could take that as a compliment, uh David. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good to hear despite that uh game two errors in the second game. That that room was a little bit uh small and hot. <laughs> I don't know. It, it definitely played a contributing role. <laughs> Oh yeah, KYT and I were in that room uh, on the first day. Actually, we had a feature match playing each other. It was kind of funny because <laughs> KYT's like, "Oh, Alex, you're you're X one. You know, uh, you guys should get a feature match of Alex." And the <laughs> pairings, it's a get Alex versus KYT. Like, <laughs> crap. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was pretty anticlimactic. I mean, I was playing Boros in Type Two and just played three step links by turn two, game one. Like as I, my first draw of the game was a step links, and uh, at that point I re- knew KYT had zero outs in his deck. <laughs> Could not win anymore, and that was kind of sad. But hey, and then game game two he mauled the four. So I I mean I, I guess I'll take a win like that, but that's not how I want to win, you know. Certainly not against a friend. But uh, game day two, my uh, I you know I was asked earlier in the day if I wanted to commentate and. I could have I could have played, but I decided to to try commentating, and it was honestly way more fun than I thought it would have been. It was it was, <laughs> it was awesome just chatting with you, KYT, and uh, I definitely would do it do it again if uh, we have the same level of coverage at the Montreal one. I think it, it would be less funny if I think 
the contributing factor is probably the bad players. I mean, without bad plays, there's nothing to really laugh at. And, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. if, if we were seeing, like, two awesome, you know, blue-white, like, complete, without Stoneforge's, like, landstill matchup, and they were playing perfectly, I'm not sure, like, how entertaining that would have been compared to what we saw, like, really, like, the highlight of today, for for me, at least, was uh, JSP playing Merfolk, and uh, <laughs> I can't wait till we get the coverage stuff out, I mean, because, like, I he came off as such a nice guy, I knew him as one of the organizers of the tournament, we talked, he paid for my entry fee for the standard portion, he tried to make me feel super welcome, he was an awesome guy, so um, the reason why that match was so gut-wrenching was because he was misplaying and I was rooting for him so hard, <laughs> so, so hard to make the right move and every time me and Alex would call what the obvious line would be and he would not make it, I was just, I wanted to hide in a little corner, which, which happened. Uh, one of the key plays was like he had a winning board position, the person plays pernicious deed, taps out and I think JSP has one or if not two dazes in hand. Well, he's got one daze, a sower of temptation, and uh, a lord. I think lord of Atlantis. So he he's about to daze it. So he flicks out instead of a daze. He accidentally flicks out a lord of Atlantis. So <laughs> it's like it's like oh my god. Okay, JSP is going to daze that pernicious deed. He has to. I mean, like why wouldn't he? So he flicks it out. Then he picks the lord of Atlantis back up, reads the pernicious deed. Puts it back down and is like, okay. I'm like, what? <laughs> How? And I'm like, if you, why are you playing days in your deck if you're not dazing back down? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the juiciest possible target you can get for days. <laughs> so, I mean, like, commenting allows us to see, like, you do, people do brain fart and ex- do a lot of things or keep very, um, I mean, one of the things we can tell our listeners is that Alex noticed some players keeping very sketchy hands, right, Alex? Yeah, like, for instance, imagine you're playing the Cloud Post, uh, the Cloud Post Eldrazi deck. You know, that deck needs to get to, like, 15 mana, right, ideally? And would you keep a one, a, a one ponder, <laughs> fetch land, tabernacle hand with two primeval titans, like, and, like, all his dust and a force of will? Like, oh, not. <laughs> it's not, you're not playing against a combo deck, you know, where that Force of Will is going to be the nuts. Like, you're playing against, or the tabern, not an aggro deck, where the Tabernacle is going to be super amazing. You're playing against blue, white, land still. Blue, white, land still. And you keep the one land, <laughs> one meta source hand. Third. I'm like, did he really just keep that? <laughs> That deck just needs to play lands and it wins. It just doesn't... Don't do anything, just play the lands. Exactly. Like, game two, he just won because he just played lands. And then, oh, look, Emrakul. And, like, (laughs) it's over. And then it's like, game three, I'll keep this one mana-producing hand. Like, uh... I think uh, one was sketchy, too, right? He kept... Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, I I forget what. I don't know. I just... It it was just terrible. But I do wonder if the hand, the reanimator guy kept against David was sketchy uh, because he, like you guys discussed after the game, he was missing the most important part of his deck but if he did get it, it was like he was probably going to win so that's I think that's what that was his reasoning for keeping that hand but uh, when we watched the game for the first couple of turns, he, do, he just dropped lands 
and did nothing as he got pounded by, uh, I, th- I believe, a batter skull. Yeah, I need to, like, w- I wasted his land on turn, like, seven or something just so he couldn't hard cast Gilflax or whatever. Jinjix <laughs> <laughs> Ataxias or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Gilflax. <laughs> Close enough. That has to be the name of the episode, Gilflax. <laughs> I was I was playing a reanimator the other day and I was just about to cast my uh Inkwall Leviathan. <laughs> then I realized I only had eight fetchable lands in my deck, so <laughs> I could never get to nine. <laughs> um but you guys said that his like uh the hardest type of card for him to find was a discard outlet, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, you need to have a creature... You either have to draw in Tomb, or you have to have a creature in hand and draw Careful and like Study. Careful study. Yeah. And, like, you ha- that has to also be the creature that you want to reanimate, not just any creature. Like, you know, it could get Swords of Plowshares or whatever, if it's not the right one. Because, like, he ended up not do. He had, like, six or seven lands in play at the end where he was just He dropped. didn't cast anything. I just battered yeah. him and he died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we saw a lot of uh, questionable uh, keeps, and, uh, you know, I definitely learned that people do uh, still keep a lot of sketchy hands, and I'm going to try to be tighter when er, when I'm considering whether I should mulligan or not. I, I actually found round one was, was pretty funny. It was Dredge against Belcher. And I was like, oh, no. You know, the most uninteractive game ever. It's just going to be like, <laughs> oh, who won the die roll? Oh, sweet, kill you. Oh, my turn? I'll, I'll kill you. Oh, your turn? Now you'll kill me. Like, But no, actually, for game one, like they both mulligan to Oblivion, and Dredge is obviously favored there. And game two... <laughs> They both kept, I don't know, what seemed kind of loose hands. The the Belcher player had the trap of two um, blah, street wraith in his hand. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, cycled them, hoping to find some business spell, but no, just had mana, because the deck's like 90% mana or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I, the game proceeded where, with both players hardcasting ley lines. The dredge player hardcast ley line of sanctity, and the Belcher player hard cast a ley line of uh, the void. <laughs> so the game ended up being getting to the point where the dredge player is beating down with Stinkweed Imps and Narcomoeba. <laughs> and the Belcher player is just trying to resolve Belcher so he can, like, shoot down all the, the creatures. It was really funny. I mean, yeah, that was that was hilarious. Especially when you thought some of his plays were interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that's, those are like, hmm, that seems that's interesting. And like, why is he doing this? Those, those <laughs> are some of the my my most commonly said lines in 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 the coverage. <laughs> I'm um, not sure when it's going to be up, but uh, it's supposed to be up on MTG Ottawa. That's MTG O T T A W A dot com. Definitely, we'll put links on Man Deprive once once I know. Um, I think the most interesting play in in that match was when what's that card he played he played a a card where he reveals his own hand yeah um land grant yeah land grant and then the guy cabal therapies his lands <laughs> lines eye diamond and it was like oh boy <laughs> two lines eye diamonds yeah yeah so 
was a very good therapy. Um, other than that, anything else about the coverage? I mean, I just really enjoyed it and would love to do it again. If it were available in Montreal somehow, if we can make it happen, I'd be up for it. Oh, definitely. It was, it was awesome. And, uh, I mean, I hope you guys who are covered don't feel too bad about how badly I trashed you for playing like crap. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's definitely, we got comments. I got comments from people on Twitter or, or personal, uh, messaging, whatever. Um, about how we were a different style from what they're used to in SCG Live and, and Rich Hagon and BDM were, you know, they're more... I'm, I'm not surprised back. that people think you're different than Rich Hagon and BDM. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you guys got to catch the coverage or if you're going to watch the archive coverage, we'd like comments on that. I think for me, I was happy that we were different. I was happy because a lot of... The reasons people hate on the SCG Live stuff or the GG's Live stuff or even the, the Pro Tour stuff is when there's like a, a string of misplays and none of the commentators are talking or mentioning anything about it. And so we tried our best, at least my co-host, whether it be Rob or Alex, uh, definitely didn't shut up when they, they saw you know something that they thought was questionable. So I hope you guys appreciate that sort of realness and... Uh, yeah, we, we hope to keep this style going because that will set us apart from the other st- uh, coverage. Yeah, like putrid imp, if you have threshold, it can't block. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's to you, Mahmoud Kabadu. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a judge too, so. Yeah, <laughs> and if there's a storm tide leviathan in play, you can find a wasteland in either <laughs> aquarium and tap it for blue mana. <laughs> that's to- also to Mahmoud. Yeah. There's, that one, though, is, is pretty tricky, right? Yeah. But, uh, then again, I don't think it would have been an issue had he not been playing Hallowed Fountains instead of Tundras. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was gold, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we tried to commentate a bit like we run the cast, you know, fairly casual, like, jokingly, you know, but also while... Being, giving you real content, you know, like, why is he doing this? This seems like a bad play. This is the play we would make instead. And uh, I don't think we once said why this was a good play. <laughs> <laughs> well, why this was this being not their play. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm happy. Like, it's like if you like crazy talk, if you like a team, I think we we had that style. That's for sure. I mean, and, and just like even Sammy T. Um, it reminded me of the Sammy T. We have a lot, we had a lot of power in the booth, whereas SCG, or if you see like something wrong, like a mistake, like a, there should have been a judge call, we actually like call judge yeah. when Sammy T tried to submerge for free when the person <laughs> have a forest. So, um, and, and then tried to play batter skull when there's a Gaddick Tegan play. <laughs> but the judge inside said it's very, like there's a lot of glare from where he was sitting. So. He's forgiven, but we were like, Judge, Judge, like, you can't c- cast a merge here. <laughs> well, and in so, the round one match of Belcher versus Dredge, the Belcher player used a, a spirit guide into his graveyard, and the Dredge player was rearranging the order of his graveyard, which is not yeah. allowed. So both things which were like, well, I'm pretty sure they're not, these are wrong, but the, the table judge apparently had woken up late for the day. Uh, no, I think it, oh yeah, yeah, there was no table judge and Kyle Rick 
was watching outside. He was going crazy. Yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> That's why he was there for our round two mono green control matchup. <laughs> so, but, like, the listeners only understand when they watch, but it's basically an elf player that, you know, says go a lot. <laughs> Does nothing on his turn. He's got, like, three, you know, one mana elves and stuff, and he's got, like, three lands, and he says go, like, five turns in a row. <laughs> against blue-white land still. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, what is he waiting for? A glimpse, a glimpse of nature? Like... Even, but by then, Justin would have like mental missteps in his hand, you, like so you couldn't, you can't even wait, right? Like, well, yeah, and I mean the fact that he was on like four life should have just been attacking, right? Yeah, I mean you don't need a combo off when your opponent's at four life. Just one one elves will do the freaking trick. <laughs> it's like attack for one. It's like okay, I'm at three. You know, take three more turns, and then instead of saying land go or just draw go. <laughs> You get to, like, kill your opponent. Uh, That's actually did, one of the reasons why I think Elves is a solid combo deck, because you have the backup plan of just, like, oh, he's got a lot of hate, well, time to attack for one. and Or three, usually, or something. Uh, d- David, did you end up facing any interesting decks besides the the ones that... We well, we obviously covered you playing Landstill and uh, Reanimator. Um, hmm, what did I play in the Swiss? I played... No, I think I played against stock decks. Like, I played against Merfolk, and I played against another reanimator. There was nothing really that interesting that I played against. It was all pretty standard for a legacy tournament. Were were they terrible players? <laughs> well, like, it's it's really hard to see when you're playing the match how <laughs> terrible they actually are. Um, yeah, that's like, true. It's, it's a lot easier to notice from the commenting booth. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a huge difference. But I, I'm going to assume that I did because it was a tournament, so... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's always how it is. I mean, if if you were playing against JSP and you didn't know that he was holding on to Lord of Atlantis the whole damn time, <laughs> I played against him at the PTQ last weekend. I didn't know he was holding Lord of Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were wondering, like, um, does he know that Lord of Atlantis gives Island Walk? <laughs> the way he was playing, it seemed like he knew, you know, get plus one plus one, but he didn't know about the Island Walk. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. The will go if I can't attack. <laughs> like, why don't you just play Lord of Atlantis attack for a lethal? It's like, no, no, just member. <laughs> <laughs> so the opponent plays another Tarmogoyf, and we're like, okay, it's fine. He's going to play the Lord, but he rips another dismember. <laughs> so, like, no, don't cast the dismember. Just swing. There's a funny situation where basically the best card he could actually have drawn would have been a complete blank. <laughs> 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 but uh so JSP if he's listening, we love you. We absolutely love you yeah. and uh no hard feelings hopefully. <laughs> uh well honestly could... making mistakes is not the bad thing. The bad thing is not learning from your mistakes. Yeah. 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 If you learn from your mistakes you will eventually get better and better and better and you'll you will stop making mistakes as much. Like everybody makes mistakes, it's just a question of learning from them and trying to reduce them to as few as possible. Yeah. Like, like, sometimes, you know, you'll keep a land and a fetch land open with a Stoneforge Mystic. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you'll end sometimes. of turn, and <laughs> end of turn, you'll, you'll use your fetch land, you know, to get a land to use your Stoneforge. And in response, your opponent will place Swords to Plashers on your Stoneforge. <laughs> you'll be like, Ouch. crap. And then you'll forget to find a land with your fetch land. <laughs> but you'll still win the tournament. 
Yeah. Sometimes it happens. <laughs> at least, at least all those things happened in one game, and I lost that game, so it was yeah. totally fair. Yes. Like the game three was well played. Like it looked well played from his part. It looked like a solid game, so I don't really regret it too much. Yeah, no, it was the games you won were were well played by you. The game yeah. you lost, the game two was uh, well, I deserved pretty, pretty rough. Pretty yeah. <laughs> no, it was interesting because we had a bunch of people in the feature match area, and the people we were most impressed with their play were you, David, and uh, and Justin Richardson. And lo and behold, in the finals, you guys were against each other. It's like yeah. it's like playing good is you know helps you win in legacy or something. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. You know, JSP, I've I've mana leaked a spell pierce before, so <laughs> I mean I've done dumb mistakes too. So uh, it, it was just funny to have it all on coverage and 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 me wanting you so badly because if he won that game, he was top eight. So yeah. um, definitely uh, the reason why like I was cringing so so much. <laughs> well, you know, like uh, like Medina says, guys, just play better. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking oh. play better, guys. <laughs> uh, going back to the Richards, uh, Richardson match final, uh, Richardson match in the final, Alex, you reminded me of uh, a question I wanted to ask David. How did it feel like to play against Factor Fiction? Well, that felt old school. It felt like I was playing vintage. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That that card's pretty cool. I, I really like it. Uh, I wish my deck could play it, but it costs infinite mana, so <laughs> kind of a no-go. I wish we could remember the split because Alex, I think Alex disagreed with the way you split that. It, it was pack. close. It was Crucible Wasteland in one pile with another card, and then the other pile had Swords to Plowshares, was it? Um, I think one pile had a counterspell in it. I gave him the Crucible and the Wasteland in the same pile, which was probably yeah. a mistake. Um, I should have given him the Wasteland in the other pile, and swapped one of the other card over. It was, the the factor fiction was a mistake. Yeah, I don't I yeah. don't quite remember. I mean, I think every time I saw factor fiction cast, the opponent made a mistake with a split. It's yeah, just that, you know. But the thing is, we as commentators have perfect information, so it's easy. It's easy for us, you know, to say, "Oh, that was that was wrong." Yeah, but it's not not quite as easy, you know, when you're actually playing the game, mm-hmm. like. People nowadays just don't have the experience that, you know, let's say old school players do about with factor fiction. Like, nobody's learned, there's, you know, there haven't been articles written about how to play around it, unlike, you know, Standstill or Brainstorm. Yeah. Like, so, I, I, I mean, we saw it cast a bunch of times, and I think that when, you know, when you, you probably screwed up, but it was the smallest mistake that, you know, we've seen. Well, let's com- com- compare it to, uh, you know, Cartman, who was playing the blue-green Eldrazi deck, and uh, you know, Factor Fiction, and basically there's like three random cards, Mental Misstep and a Wasteland. And he's like, Wasteland, Mental Misstep, or the other cards. So, like, basically, yeah. you can have the two cards that completely screw me over, yeah. or the other stuff. <laughs> like, Some people just try to make sure that they take the smaller pile, no matter what. Like, that that's a popular strategy. Whenever I cast Factor Fiction... That's normally the first thing my opponent does is take, like, the two best cards and put them together just so I don't get that extra land or whatever. I don't, I don't right. know why they do that. I think it makes sense to them in, in, in sort of way. Like, you get, you're probably going to pick that, but at least you get one less card, I guess. Like, well, yeah, like a lot of it's one of the first things you learn is mm-hmm. that card advantage is so important. Mm-hmm. 
And that, like, well, what actually matters is, like, in Legacy, the cards are so powerful that the quality of the cards matters more than the, than the quantity, really. Yeah. That, like, two lands and, like, you know, and <laughs> something like a counterspell or whatever is, you know, sure, that's, that's really good, but, like, is it, it's better to have less Crucible and, you know, a mental misstep or whatever. Yeah. Like, um, even though it's less cards. Especially because, you know, with that Crucible, those two lands, I just went in the graveyard. Guess what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, Apparently, Justin actually said one opponent even did a worse factor fiction split, where uh, he has the opponent has two creatures in play and one card in hand, and Justin has you know one card in hand as well or something and plays factor fiction, and reveals Wrath of God, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Land, Land, Brainstorm, and the guy makes the piles Wrath of God, Land, Brainstorm, or Land, Jace. <laughs> and then Justin obviously takes the Wrath of God pile, plays land like or whatever, and wraths away the guy's board, and stills a brainstorm, <laughs> and like extra land. Like definitely, I think the right pile there, right, is, is Wrath of God and versus four. Like if <laughs> fiction into car, a card that completely devastates you, I mean, you put that card or the other four, right? Like yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Why would why would you let them have more than one card when they're going to take the, whatever pile that card is in anyways? Um, Alex, did we ever talk about factor fiction on the show? Um, not really. I mean, I think it's, okay. it's a fairly fringe player, right? I, no decks play it except for that deck, and it only plays one. Yeah, I think I think I mentioned that uh, Drew Levin was playing it in Providence. Yeah. Or at least, at least I like at least I noticed it when uh, when we were there, and I I told you maybe off cast. So we we never talked about on the cast like how how to play against it because I know I read I discussed with Alex quickly. I read about like well I didn't really read the article yet, and I will now. Like Kai and and one of the if you don't know how to split, you you make the piles all lands all spells or something. Yeah, that's when in doubt, lands versus spells. What's the reasoning behind that? Well, obviously, it's... I mean, it's not like... You, this, that's not what you do on turn 18 or whatever when they've got, like, 10 lands in play, right? It's right. on turn 4. Okay. Okay, because often, like, the control deck's going to need to make some more land drops, and so if you're you're using spells or lands, and, like, they take the spells, then often, you know, they'll be mana screwed. They won't have any more land drops. Okay. Whereas, you know, if they take the lands, then they don't get any spells at all. Okay. Like, basically that way, like, they have to choose, you don't maximize, like, uh, you know, the, what they get. So, it's, it's definitely, I, I would say it's rarely correct to do that, but it's better than many alternatives. Because hmm. Factor Fiction is a very, very hard card to play against. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's reasonably difficult to play well yourself, because you have to choose the pile that you're gonna take, and, you have to choose the moment when you play Factor Fiction. Like, I played in... Ex- first my first time I ever top-aided a PTQ was extended PTQ, and I was playing Heartbeat combo deck, and I played Factor Fiction on my main phase, so and my opponent gave me... They did the land versus spell split, thinking, you know, oh, he's, he's mana screwed. But I actually had, like, three more lands in my hand, and then I just killed him the next turn. Um, like, sometimes, you know, you have to... You have to just think, what is my opponent thinking? Why is he doing this? Like, what, if I were him, what piles would I want? Hmm. Yeah, that's, 
I mean, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I, I get, but like, uh, like you guys mentioned, that's the only deck that I'm ever uh, that's currently playing it. But right. you know, I, I would I would want to play a deck that uses it if uh, it, it seems to give so much edge. <laughs> yeah, well, continuing with actually with that that deck, um, Kaplan, you were playing you were playing standstills in your deck, and Justin and Drew Levin's list basically plays ancestral visions. Yeah, which one do you would do you prefer and why? Um, well, I kind of, uh, I guess I prefer Standstill. Visions is a cool card, but I think Reb is a, Red Elemental Blast is a very, very popular sideboard card, and it just gives your opponent so much time to deal with Visions. Like, you play Visions on turn one, and they can sculpt their hand to have a Red Elemental Blast, just like, ha- just like what happened in my finals. Like, I sculpted my hand to have the Blasts to deal with his Visions, whereas he couldn't deal with my Standstills. Right. I just think it's it's a little slow. But you can cast Redemontal Blast to destroy the standstill. <laughs> if, if you really want to. If you wish yeah, right, to cause then. your opponents to draw three cards, then that yeah. would be an excellent play. I guess you be, you're better countering it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> well, Edwin, I think we discussed earlier how standstill versus ancestral visions works, right? Because I think that happened in your game against Justin. Yeah, it did. Where where he suspended a vision, and then while it's on like one counter, you played a standstill. Yeah. And so right away, boom! His ancestral visions pops your standstill. You get to draw three cards and now fight his ancestral visions, yeah. and then you countered it. So yeah, it's a pretty big advantage. Yeah, of course the advantage of ancestral visions is that you get to play spells while you're waiting to draw your cards. Uh, absolutely, which is why it's, it's much better against an aggressive deck, but much worse against a control deck. Yeah, it's it's a lot better when you're actually behind on the board position, where essentially you have to be ahead or even on board. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not much else difference between the, the two cards really. Both are kind of delayed card draw, where you get to you get you get a bunch of cards. A fairly cheap mana cost, but uh, there's an, always a drawback. Mm-hmm. Ancestral Recall isn't isn't legacy playable at the moment. Too bad. Well, illegal, I should say. <laughs> so, um, so that's basically it for the CMT. Um, Frank, Frank, do you have any questions? Well, not like not for the CMT. Okay. So there's uh, yeah. Go ahead, Frank. Like I I didn't uh, I didn't look into it that much, but like what? Uh, okay, yeah. So uh, like the deck that won in Denver last week uh, in Legacy was uh, Show and Tell, right? Is that it? Hive mind. Hive mind. Hive mind. Played by Thomas Ma. <laughs> Okay, and that that deck had also made the uh, top two in uh, in Providence, and that uh, is correct. And I think Thomas Mom made top eight the previous week, right? As well, uh, top four, yeah, top four. So yes, so it's definitely shown that it's it's a contender in the format. So the deck plays basically it plays Hivebind, which is an enchantment for five colorless and a blue. That uh, whenever a player plays a spell, each of that player's opponents copies that spell. They may ch- plays plays it. It's on the stack. 
uh, they can choose new targets for the copies. So your, the plan is to get a hive mind to play really quickly and then play a pack, usually pack to the Titan, and uh, then pass the tur- your opponent copies it, the pack, and then you pass the turn. And on their turn, they have to pay for the pack to their upkeep or they die. And usually they can't pay for the pack, so they lose. Um, the deck cheats high plays Ancient Tomb City of Traders for uh, for the mana boost, and it plays Show and Tell to get high mind into play, as well as uh, Grim Monoliths to give you more mana to cast the high mind. Like you can go turn one Ancient Tomb Grim Monolith, turn two Island Hive Mind, and then go off. Like the deck can kill turn two fairly consistently. I mean, it also has Lotus Petals, I believe. And intuitions to find either protection or pacts or hive mind. Plus, I think post board or it can it can often just show and tell, put in an ember cool, and say how's it going, bro. <laughs> but uh, that's definitely very powerful. And if people are cutting their force wills or relying on mental missteps or expecting combo to be dead, then the deck's going to keep crushing. You know, I mean, it, it just lasts at decks like Zoo. Merfolk is is the hard matchup because it's almost impossible to beat a Curse Catcher. Because you play a Pact, then it gets copied for them, and they Curse Catcher their own Pact and choose not to pay. So then on their turn, their Pact is countered, so on their turn they don't have to pay the upkeep cost. And then they pass the turn back to you, and you do have to pay the upkeep cost. So, kind of awkward. <laughs> Though I've actually seen like the hive mind deck get to five mana, which one is red, and just be like pack to the titan, block your creature, and then upkeep pay. But uh, that's kind of like Plan Z or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you uh, like have you like were there player uh, playing that in Ottawa uh, last weekend? Did you see it in action or? No, uh, no, I d- I didn't. Uh, I don't know if anybody was playing it. Um, we, I actually tested it with Rob Anderson for uh, uh, briefly for GB Providence. And uh, the deck was certainly explosive. And I mean, there's sometimes you just go turn to show and tell, and they're like, force the will. And you're like, force the will back. Show and tell results, put an hive mind, pack, you're dead. <laughs> and, uh, or, or just put an Emrakul one. You know, nice deck, bro. And, like, like, you know, it's it's pretty brutal sometimes so it, I, it again suffers from like some consistency issues like what if you draw your hive mind or multiple hive minds but like no packs or vice versa and you know what if you draw show and tell and nothing to show you know you the guys deck, are all pretty like, quiet <laughs> what, kind, what kind of library uh, manipulation is it running I believe it has Ponders, Brainstorms, and Intuitions. Right. So for a combo deck, it has like a fair amount of search. So I don't yeah, know. That seems I'm going to try it out and uh, and and I'll report back. See uh, see how what I think. I don't have I don't quite have enough experience with the deck to uh, give a full fledged uh, opinion. So as I said, don't knock it before you try it. <laughs> like oh. Like if we like the the other decks like that were kind of like that did well in the Invitational, like it, it was weird because the finals were Goblin versus Zoo and like that's 
to me that was kind of unexpected, you know? Yeah, <laughs> well every everybody like uh like seemed to be of the opinion like that those decks were killed by misstep and then you have uh like and I think I think the, the invitational like like it probably wasn't like such a a soft tournament, you know? No, I mean uh I mean people people often play like the deck they've been playing for a long time in Legacy, that's just whatever they feel the most comfortable with. And I think actually the invitational, as you say, it's not soft, but it's gonna be players who've are more experienced often have been playing more. And so they often will have it like a deck they just feel really comfortable with, like goblins or zoo. Plus, the it was a mixed-format tournament. So in mixed-format tournaments, you often don't see, like, the best deck in the in the top eight. I mean, we've seen this at World Championships many times, where the guy who went, like, you know, 2-4 or whatever in the standard portion manages to win out in Legacy, I mean, in Extended and uh, and in Draft and makes, makes the top eight somehow. Or, you know, uh, at Canadian Nationals, for instance, one year, both Yi Cheng and Dan Kramer were in the top eight playing this abysmal pi- pickles deck that was just god-awful. But, like, you know, oh, man, there's two people in the top eight playing it out of, like, three people playing the deck? It must be nuts. But, no, I think both of them went, like, 6-0 in limited. So <laughs> so they only had to go, like, 3-3 or, or whatever in uh, constructed to make the top eight. All right. So, I, I mean... It's uh, it's it's pretty wild, wild uh, wide open format legacy, and if people are especially thinking that they're only going to be blue decks and play a deck accordingly like Merfolk, then uh, it's actually not a bad place to be playing Zoo or Goblins. Hmm. So Frank, what's the next deck uh, that you plan to be playing? I mean, yeah. I heard I heard you you started playing Painter's Servant, uh, Painter's deck, and we never talked about it on the show. Yeah, paint, Painter's Stone. Yeah. So uh, I I tried it uh, last week at uh, at uh, Tuesday Legacy, and like <laughs> I I didn't have I didn't have a good week in Magic last week. Because <laughs> I I went to both tournaments. Uh, I played the uh, I played the Legacy on Tuesday and I played Standard on Standard on Thursday. And uh, both times I was playing a uh, a blue red combo decks. And in both tournaments I got completely wrecked by um, Surgical Extraction. <laughs> <laughs> so, Actually. Uh, so what, what, yeah. um, in, you were playing Painterstone in Legacy, but what were you playing in Type 2? Type 2 was playing the, well, the twin deck that you played in Legacy. <laughs> right, I was gonna, I was, I was trying to lead up to that, but hey, alright, let's go out, right out and say it. On Tuesday Night Legacy, while Frank was playing, uh, Painterstone, I had to come to return some cards I had borrowed from a friend of mine. So I was just there, and I'm just like, oh, can somebody lend me a deck for tonight? And it seemed like nobody had any Legacy decks. So Frank's like, yeah, I have. You can, I don't have any legacy decks either, but uh, you can borrow my Type Two Splinter Twin combo deck. I was like, sure, why not? So round one, I'm against uh, Thomas Marson playing playing Rug uh, Natural Order, 
And, you know, he, he goes turn one noble hierarch, I go turn one land. He goes turn two tarmogoyf, I go turn two land. Turn three, you know, he attacks me, I play another land. He attacks, he goes to combat, and I deceive her exarch, but he dazes. So, you know, he attacks me again with tarmogoyf, and I play my fourth land, say go. He goes to attack with tarmogoyf again, and I deceive her exarch, tap his goyf, <laughs> which resolves. And then I untap, play my fifth land, and play splinter twin. And he looks at his hand, which is like lightning bolt, days, natural order, whatever, and he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, however, I, I lost game two and game three of that match because he had, you know, force of will plus a quick natural order, and I was pretty dead. Though game two actually was looking reasonably good for me with uh, a, a blood moon that I had because I borrowed some sideboard cards that were not type two legal from from Frank. And then, uh, but however, the, my next three matches, I won all of them. I played against Mono Blue Control, which is kind of funny because I don't see how he can ever win. Like I got into the Royals for his energy fields, you know, nice back to basics bra. My my decks just like all islands and mountains, and uh, I, and like I got more lands than him. I've got more Jaces than him, so it was just kind of funny. Like, you know, I go like turn one Terramorphic Expanse. He's like. What? <laughs> <laughs> you don't take damage. <laughs> He's like, turn one, you know, island, brainstorm. I'm like, okay, turn two, go. He's like, turn two, play something. I'm like, Manalik. He's like, what? What are you playing? <laughs> what was was it funny playing the preordained, like, yeah, oh yeah, preordained of, Oh, it sure was. Though actually, Preordain was really bad because it's like the only card in my deck that got hit by mental misstep. <laughs> like I just go, like, pre I went turn one Preordain. He's like mental misstep. You must be playing some sort of combo deck. I'm like I guess you're kind of right. <laughs> but honestly, basically all three matches that I won were just because my deck had a lot of basic lines in it and Jaces. So I was just like basic line, basic line, basic line, basic line, basic line, Jace, and they're like, uh, uh okay. <laughs> I'm like, brainstorm, you're turned. And they're like, crap, you know? Though sometimes I had to force through my uh, my Jace, like I had to manaleak his force of will. Did you kill people with titans? I did, I actually killed, <laughs> I killed an opponent with titan, and he's like, reading the card, he's like, what? It does that when it attacks too? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that card's really good. I'm like, yeah. He's like, why doesn't anybody play that? I'm like, because it costs six mana. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty funny. Man, we need like we need to find more ways to smash down with Titans and Legacy. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only way you really realistically would play Titans and Legacy, other than Primeval Titan, which is played in the uh, the Cloudpost deck, um, is to show and tell or sneak them into play somehow. In which case, there's just always better targets. Basically, the thing about Legacy is we're just really spoiled. We get to play all the best cards all the time. Right. So what's so uh, like the like maybe uh, the next topic that we we might uh, want to go into were the uh, the commander cards that are going to be uh, in uh, legal in Legacy, basically. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So, uh, did like, is there any card like that you've noticed, or like, which ones you seeing 
do you think are the most uh Well definitely likely. an interesting one is Flutterstorm. Flusterstorm, sorry. <laughs> Don't get flustered there. Yeah. <laughs> it's one blue mana instant. Counter target instant or sorcery spell unless its controller pays one. And it has storm, which whenever you whenever when you cast a spell, copy it for each spell cast before this turn. You may choose new targets for the copies. So, uh, I think this card is, is not bad for in, in Legacy. I mean, you know, people are saying, oh man, they play Tendrils of Agony for 20 copies on you, and you go, Flusterstorm for one time. <laughs> but uh, realistically, that's never going to happen. You are going to get Thoughtseized and duress the heck out of there, okay? If after they play, like, Ad Nauseam or something. However, <laughs> like, you know... If they're just going, like, they're usually going to see what's up, basically, if they're playing that type of deck. And that type of deck kind of is, like, dying out right now with all the missteps around. Um, I like I like this card a lot in Counter Wars, though, where you're, like, you know, you're protecting your own counters. Because it's always, basically, when you're targeting instant or sorcery, it's always going to be at least as good as a spell pierce. Right. Right. Like, it, it does, the nice thing about it, they play a spell and then tapping out for instance or sorcery. Let's say turn four factor fiction, since we were talking about that a lot. And you flusterstorm it. They, their mental misstep, backup, whatever, is no good anymore because you have two copies already. Just from their spell plus your flusterstorm. And, uh, so I think it's reasonable in those situations. I just think it's too narrow to see serious play because Planeswalkers are starting to see play in Legacy now, so Spell Pierce is good because of that. Like, you could Spell Pierce their Jace or whatever. And, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe it's used play, but, uh, I could, I could actually possibly even see, like, Storm playing that card, funnily enough. Like, it's a protection spell. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> people always just wait till like, you're, you know, you play your Ad Nauseam, your Infernal Tutor or whatever. That's the main problem, though, is that with the current build of Infernal Tutor, Lion's Eye Diamond, that you always need a second before searching. So having a protection card in your hand is pretty awkward. You want to play, like, a Thoughts Ease Effect first or a Orm's Chant. Could you see this being played in, perhaps... High tide? Definitely not. <laughs> um, mainly because, like, uh, high tide allows your opponent's islands to tap for an extra blue for each high tide you've cast. Oh, yeah, you're right. So I forgot about that. I mean, you are casting a lot, a lot, a lot of spells, so it's going to have a very high storm count, but uh, you'll still be able to, you know, pay, pay the mana off very often. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know, this cast is... You know, you know what this cast needs? Needs more Medina. Is he ready? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think Medina's always ready. Or at least he should be. That's what, that's what his wife told me. He's always ready to get cleaning. So we're just gonna... We're hoping to get Medina here. Back from his uh, wife duties, I guess. So, well, in the meantime, we can talk about another commander card that's interesting. Chaos Warp. Two colorless and a red instant. 
the owner of Target Permanent shuffles it into his or her library and reveals the top card of his or her library. If it's a permanent card, he or she puts it onto the battlefield. <laughs> this is so stupid. It's pretty pretty random card. That's kind of like, you know, what what is the red feeling of it? I mean... It's 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 kind of like a red vindicate, but they get something back, but you don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically the red beast within, right? Right. You get to kill a permanent, except it actually gets shuffled into their deck instead of being destroyed, which is actually relevant in certain situations, such as let's say against uh, ink, um, a blightsteel colossus. Let's say, right? You know, you'd rather not destroy that. You'd rather shuffle into their library. Huh. Uh, but but like, you know, it's 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 mostly going to be a vindicate that every so often is going to be a do nothing. <laughs> I just I just wonder if like sometimes you do it to yourself, right? And you're <laughs> hoping for something <laughs> off the top. Well, that's what that's... casual players everywhere are like getting a wet dream over. They're like, I just do it to my land, and then I flip Embercool, and my opponent's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, that won't be happening in Commander, at least. <laughs> no, it won't. But like, if I think this card would be really good if there if it wasn't shuffled into your deck and then reveal the top card. It's like any card. Yeah, because like, basically you have no way to like if you if you could brainstorm or top or then arrange like what the top card was going to be, then I, I can see it being played. But like as is. It's kind of awkward, like, you're like, yeah, kill your land, and they're like, oh, look, it's a Jace, and you're like, damn it, <laughs> and, or like, hey, you know, even even funnier, like, you're against the show and tell deck, and, you know, I can, I can see some crazy shenanigans happening if well, you're... Uh, I, I think, like, the, the most interesting aspect of that, like, yeah, of course, like, sometimes you're... You're gonna flip back the exact same card, and then, like, it won't do anything... But uh, it offers red like uh, a ways to answer enchantments and you know other like it answers any type of permanence you know so that's right it's a red answer to that's enchantments. That's not the thing that's is not though, Frankie in entirely format, bad but uh, in a format <laughs> in a format like Legacy where you have fetch land dual land mana base you can really play like any colors you want certainly you can splash any color you want. So why would you play this card as an answer to enchantments and things instead of, I don't know, naturalize? Well, the thing is, like, me, I, I started playing uh, Legacy with uh, Dragon Stompy, and, like, the only like the only spells you could cast reliably are those that cost two colorless and a red, you know? So, <laughs> so for that deck, maybe that's, like, that's an out uh, to cards that, like, it had trouble dealing with before. Well, okay, we'll... Gotta take a break from uh, Commander because uh, our good guest uh, David Kaplan has to leave. So, uh, if there's anything like you'd like to say, David, or someone you'd like to thank for your success for the past month, uh, go right ahead. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Um, well, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. This is a cool podcast. Uh, I need to start listening to it. I haven't been keeping up with my mana deprived reading, so <laughs> I have to do that. And I definitely want to thank uh, Glenn McElwain for. This for last month, uh, we had an awesome time and learned a lot about the format, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, so thanks for having me. And thank I'll you very much for being on. It was awesome. No problem. Hey, if you're ever interested in writing, 
you know where where to find me. So. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Okay. Bye, David. Bye. Okay. So now we can go back to uh, our many chaos warp uh, <laughs> wet dreams. Well, Frank Frank made the point that in Dragon Stompy could be a good answer to permanence, but uh, you know. <laughs> Dragon Stompy kind of wants to pro- proactively answer things by playing like a Trinisphere and saying, "Hey, bro, you're not casting any shit anymore, okay?" <laughs> I just want Frank to play Chaos Warp against like a Show and Tell deck and be like, "Fuck!" <laughs> so, oh man, oh man, like, I he- I heard the sexy voice. What's up, guys? <laughs> it's the Medina. Oh man, I come in and I hear Alex trying to. Ex- Explain things about legacy. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody's um, got to do it, John. Certainly not going to be you. Oh, oh man. Well, I mean, you've you've sufficiently bored our audience to death, so um, well, probably. <laughs> so don't worry, so what guys. Can you tell them about finance then. Uh, <laughs> well, you God, see, what, there's what, this thing called the money. Fi- What's, what's new in the fascinating world of finance? Well, you guys are talking about those EDH cards, right? Yep. Chaos Warp, man. Chaos Warp. Yeah, did you see the prices on these things? They're no. crazy. I haven't. I haven't, actually. They're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, what's this? Chaos Warp is what you said, right? Yeah, right. Let's let me look it up because who knows? Like earlier today, everything. Oh crap! Star City Games is down for maintenance. What kind of stuff is this? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta go to the other site. Oh, <laughs> I'm not, I can't say the name. You know, <laughs> it's not allowed. It rhymes with uh, flannel <laughs> wireball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that should be the new site. <laughs> Flannel Wireball. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, Chaos wow. Warp is out of stock at twenty four ninety nine. That's ridiculous. Hey, for a card did you know you could get these uh, decks for twenty nine ninety nine? <laughs> the whole deck. <laughs> Can you really though? Are any stores or is anybody going to actually be selling it at that price? Um. I think this is like a, it's kind of a bit of a snafu because, uh, I think stores are starting to treat this kind of like, uh, from the vault dragons or something, you know? Yeah. And the point is, is this is not on the same, uh, print, print scale as those. Like those are, yeah, those are limited edition, like, you know, uh, prints. And this is supposed to be just like a product. Like they're just, they're just going to be like mass printing these things and they're, uh, from what I understand, they're going to be like at Target, at Walmart, these kind of places. So, <laughs> wow. So, but but basically, don't uh, don't brick and mortar stores like your lo- local gaming store. Oh no! Just try and rip everybody <laughs> off. <laughs> oh man! Obviously, I, right? <laughs> I I know I know that's like uh, that's part of the common practices at certain location. In, uh, <laughs> I gotta leave this cast in northern <laughs> Toronto. I heard. Yeah, isn't it at, what's his name, Jerry T store, right? Yeah, Jerry T, yeah. <laughs> he started selling cards and he's ripping people off now. Oh, the bastard. <laughs> so, like, 
I think this is, uh, like, just a sidetrack for one second, and we don't need to get into the whole fight again. But I think this whole thing is just silly that people are fighting about this. It's like, you know, brick-and-mortar stores are like, look, dude, we got to pay the rent, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and players are like, look, we want cheap cards, you know? So it's like, these are obvious things that both of us want to do. You know, players want cheaper cards. Um, you know, the... The brick-and-mortar stores want more money for their cards so they can pay their overhead. We understand, but there has to be a middle ground where we meet because, like, if we both, like, cross our arms and just stare at each other saying, no, 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 then then nobody is going gonna, is gonna to benefit or profit, you know? Well, I right. mean, definitely there needs to be a middle ground where basically it's worth paying the additional money for the convenience, right? Yeah. It's all about the convenience. But the, the problem is that there's like, there's a they, the stores are kind of able to keep charging sometimes outrageous amounts of money for cards because there's a lot of people often in their area who you know don't are ignorant basically you know they haven't read Jonathan Medina's articles well, they, don't, they yeah. don't know how to be a shark you know well I think <laughs> they deserve to pay extra for cards if they're not reading my articles then I think so those people make it so that the stores are bad for other people. Right? Yeah, what right. what the store what the store owner needs to do is they need to they can price their cards however they want, but when you get someone like that knows their prices coming into the store and asking for a reasonable amount on a card, you need to give them that card at a reasonable amount. Like it just it it doesn't make sense. You shouldn't have you shouldn't have paid so much for this card that you can't sell it at a competitive price based on online pricing. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's just, it comes down to that, to that bottom line. And any sensible player, if the brick and mortar guy goes, look, I really, I really stepped in crap on this one. I, I bought this card for X dollars and I really need to get, you know, either X or plus, plus dollars on it. Then a reasonable player is going to say, okay, I understand you want to meet my needs, but look, you paid too much for this card. I understand that. You know, there, there has to be some, uh, some transparency and, uh, uh, there has to be some room to negotiate, you know. I won't go to a store that I can't negotiate prices on. Like if 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 there's a local store that won't let me negotiate because of, you know, I I'm the kind of guy who wants to negotiate. If a local store won't let me negotiate, I'm not I'm just not going to buy cards there. You know, it's just the way that it is. Well, Medina, I'm, I'm sure that your mother's told you this many times, but you're very special. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're a special case. Well, I understand. Like you, what you're you saying is the school. You know. <laughs> I mean, what you're saying is is that there's plenty of uh, casual players or players who are not as concerned with the price of the cards that are going to pay the prices that the brick and mortars are asking, right? Right. Okay. This is this is obvious. I mean, this is not rocket science. We know that. The problem is not that there's these people who exist who are going to pay extra for a card. The problem is the problem is that there's people who exist who don't want to pay extra for a card. And then so what do you have to do as a as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, what are you going to do to meet that need, you know? You can say, "Well, go buy it online," but I don't think that's a good business practice. I don't think that's I don't think that's the way to survive. I mean, these brick and mortar stores have had it easy. Because 
it hasn't gotten to the point where people really have to push on this pricing stuff. But when you have cards like Jace that are cost like $100, you have other formats like Legacy blowing up, people are going to start getting more concerned with how much money they're spending on the game. And the brick-and-mortar stores, I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening. A, people are getting smarter about prices. Okay, you're welcome, by the way. B, <laughs> okay, B, thing, this is costing more money. And see, there's more people who are wanting to play Magic, so the the supply is starting to dry up. So, not like the supply on all Magic cards. Don't freak out. I'm just saying, like in general, there's less Magic cards available because more people want to play. Um, so, like in a local store, you know, the, the local player base might be buying up all the fetch lands, you know, and um, more so than it would have been like maybe a year ago or two years ago or whatever. So, all these factors are making it so that I think brick-and-mortar stores are going to have to even go further with customer service to keep the customers because cause online vendors are making it easier and easier to buy and cheaper and cheaper to buy, you know, because of all of this competition that's happening online. So these brick-and-mortar stores are going to have to find a way to um, to meet these needs and to do it in for everyone, you know, not only the people who are going to overpay, but the people who also want to pay less. Hmm. I, I think a lot of people make good points about what brick and mortar stores could do to do that. Um, different different benefits that a brick and mortar store can offer, besides the fact that okay, you don't have to pay shipping on this, um, you know, so you're going to pay our price. But they can offer other things. They can offer like if I had a brick and mortar store, I would probably or- offer a point system. Where like if you like you know how you have those credit cards where if you buy like whatever as many dollars as you spend you get X points on the credit card and then you can buy like <laughs> you get like ten thousand points and you can buy like a, a radio watch or something stupid like this you know <laughs> so so yeah like if I ran a brick and mortar store I would run incentive programs that that uh, made sure that people who were loyal and who spent money at my store would get rewarded you know I'm okay with with giving people back who are gonna invest in me you know. So uh, when is the Medina store opening? I don't know, dude. You can, I can't really like. <laughs> what, what I wanted to do because this this thing was so heated, I just want to put up a, a handful of cards on on like online for sale, and I want to do two things. I wanted to beat every online store with the price, and I wanted to ship it to Canada for free. Oh. So whoever buys from, I'm gonna make this list of cards. I don't know. I have like Underground Sea and some other stuff in in this little binder. I'm just gonna put this all up for sale. I'm gonna beat every online store. I'm gonna ship it to Canada for free. And then I'm gonna be like, look, it isn't that hard. Like, see, <laughs> this is not hard. What a ball. You know, actually, the Canadian Post Office is currently on strike. I heard about this, actually. <laughs> when I came this idea, I heard about it. People were like, are you going to FedEx it? I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe. So that's actually why this argument is actually, like, very timely right now, talking about this, because it's kind of awkward to get stuff sent from online at this moment, right? Yeah, so now, now like, the local stores can even have more incentive to, like, jack people, because it's like... Go ahead, order it online. Ha <laughs> ha, sucker! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know, man. I think I don't want to, like, this has been, like, hash and hatch on all these podcasts everywhere, so I don't really want to hash it here, but no. I have so much to say about it. It's just, like, you bring any brick-and-mortar person to me, and I'll, I'll battle with them about this because 
the fact is, is that they're just wrong. That's it. You have to, you have to meet the needs of your customers. You have to. It, or rather, rather you should. Okay, you might be getting away with not meeting the needs of your customers, but you should be conducting business differently because someday someone who does meet the needs is going to open up shop and they're going to put you out of business. Yeah, right, right now actually, KYT, Frank, and I all have all mostly go to the same store, FASFAS. And yeah. so we kind of get the best of both worlds because they are both have an online store and our brick and mortar store. So, uh, like, and as you said, you know, it's offer incentives for the people who go there often. Well, you know, they have these Tuesday and Thursday tournaments as well as like monthly tournaments, big tournaments. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can, you get qualifier points whenever you do well or participate in tournaments. Mm-hmm. And so at, at the end of, uh, every six months or so, that the top uh, 16 people on, or I believe, on uh, with the highest amount of qualifying points, are invited to the FASA-FAS Invitational Tournament, which is a free tournament where they give us lunch and dinner. And oh wow! And prizes and stuff. So it's, it's yeah, awesome. it's crazy. Yeah, it, yeah. You I know, mean, in fact, our previous winner of the tournament is none other than Mr. Captain Canada, KYT. Woo! <laughs> it was it was his first legacy tournament to win. Yeah, it was. There, there you go, man. It's, it's not that hard. Like, <laughs> open and, open and, up an online shop. Like if you you if you need to sell cards online, then open a shop, man. Like this is not hard. You go to Crystal Commerce. Okay, I'll help you out. Okay, wow. Just go, go to go to allmagicallmagiccards.com. Okay, go there. And there's a little, a little tag that says powered by Crystal Commerce. Okay. You just click on that link and it's going to take you to where you can pay someone to help you open an online card shop. They already have a database with cards that you could just plug your inventory into and you can sell cards online. Okay. Like it's that easy. So, so don't like, don't sit here and say, Oh yeah, we, we can't compete with online shops like blah, blah, blah. It's just like, it's just ridiculous, man. <laughs> Driving me nuts. So why haven't you? St- okay, this is probably off topic completely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it makes me wonder why you haven't started an online store. This is this is why I don't like to jump into things that I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Okay? <laughs> but you like, joined this cast. Yeah. <laughs> but I brought such a level of awesomeness that it's like, you know, it's. I think it's needed here. High okay. five for that answer. High five. High five. I mean. <laughs> I love these guys. <laughs> Maybe on Untap, un- Untap doesn't need me, dude. Those guys are killing it. They're awesome. But you guys, you guys need me. So, I mean, if Frankie did a solo cast, he wouldn't need me, you know. But uh, so, so yeah. Why haven't I opened a store? Like, I this is something I respect about the local game store, you know, owners. Um, I think they're really they're really putting it on the line when they're opening a, a local store because I know it's tough. Okay, I'm not ignorant to the fact that this is a tough business and that it's hard to grind your living on selling cards and running tournaments out of a brick and mortar store. I understand that. Okay? And and maybe I have like a a little bit of a laissez-faire attitude toward it, but it's like, look, if you can't pay the bills, you can't you can't pay the bills and meet your customers' needs, then you got to close up shop because this <laughs> is the business for you. You right. know what I mean? Like it's just the bottom line. So like yeah. what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to learn what these brick and mortar people already know is like stuff about inventory management, um, 
uh, all of the business end, I want to know that cold before I start any kind of store. Okay. So like the things that I'm doing now is I've already, I've already did a lot of online selling. So like I already have a lot of understanding of shipping and like, like how to, how to ship cards the best and the cheapest and with, you know, I kind of have a, a, already a view of all that. The so next step. Spiritine, do you always put the cards on the bottom? Just ship them to the bottom? Oh yeah. I ship those, <laughs> I ship them hard. <laughs> you know what always happens to me with preordain? This is off topic, but we'll get back to the topic in a minute. I always preordain into another preordain. <laughs> and then I'm like, I have that moment where I'm like, damn it, should I keep the preordain or should I not? Like, and this is probably incorrect, but I'm going to tell you guys what I do. I always just keep the preordain because I figure that I just want to dig a little bit deeper anyways. No matter yeah. what's under there, unless I'm just totally land screwed. I mean, probably even still, I would keep the preordain. I mean, I think I think it depends, like, on the, how much mana do you have. Like, if you're digging for something specific of a mana cost, let's say you have five lands, you already played your yeah. land for the turn, and you play preordain, you need to hit Day of Judgment, then obviously, you know, you, you don't keep the preordain. Yeah, but if you like, need to hit Day of Judgment or die, yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta roll the dice and see if it's on top. Right, but yeah. like, if if you can afford to. You know that extra mana, basically. Then definitely, I always keep the preordain. Same here. Oh, okay, so that wasn't wrong. Sick. So, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> about opening a, sh- a shop. The next step for me is I'm going to be selling cards out of a booth. Okay, I'm going to be doing. Ooh. Yeah, big big step here. I'm going to be doing this at tournaments. I'm actually doing it not this weekend, but next weekend at Origins. So we're doing we're doing a booth for the first time at Origins. Uh, it's called Legit MTG, and I'm going to be selling singles and buying cards there. So, yeah, yeah. high five. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no. once I once I get this booth stuff down, because the booth is part of, like, here's the deal: if I open a if I open a mor- brick and mortar store, okay, I'm not going to depend on a brick and mortar to pay my bills. Okay, that's just, I think it's silly to do that. Okay, so I wanna, I wanna be doing brick and mortar, I wanna be doing booths at, at events where I'm selling and buying, and I wanna do an online store. Okay, I think it's like a three prong approach. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, I need to learn each aspect of that approach before I say, okay, it's time to open a store. You know what I mean? I'm, I don't wanna be like, hey, I got a lot of Twitter followers. I could just open the store and be successful. And then when I fail, everyone, all the brick and mortar owners that I'm putting on blast right now are just going to be laughing at me. You know, that's not, that's not what I want to happen. I want it to be done right. You know, I, I want to hear Frank's reaction to all this. Well, uh, like I don't have re- really a reaction to this specifically, but, uh, like I wanted to say, you know, like, this, like, cause, like, something happened to me, uh, last week. I got my, uh, official baller, uh, <laughs> approval from, uh, PayPal. Cause, uh, they sent me a notice and they told me I bought, uh, $12,000 of cards in the past, oh, uh, oh crap. <laughs> four years. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've reached that threshold. <laughs> and now they're oh, saying uh, you should verify your account or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. I could what be a name bu- for the episode. It could be just called the threshold. 
<laughs> oh, That's you guys, my Canadian threshold. You guys already, you guys already talked about Canadian threshold, right? Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. We I'm, wanted you to ask that question, though. The first question you had in the document. At least I did. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It would have been, it would have been funny. I don't, only you could ask it, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know, man. I'm glad I missed the Canadian threshold part. Cause I hate that deck, man. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I used to love blue-green Thresh, and then the guy adds Lightning Bolt, and it's just like, come on, dude. This is a whole different deck. It's lame. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so yeah, where are I, we at? Where are we, we were, we were like, at the I last was, EDH I was part. saying, like, I was saying something to, by the way, before <laughs> you, you went on on Threshold. Anyway. <laughs> So I spent twelve thousand dollars of car like on magic cards through PayPal, and uh, like for me like going like going at a store, and like when I go at a store I expect to like to pay fair market value, which is the online price, right? Yeah, and right. like I'm spending I've spent a lot of money on magic in four years. No, I hadn't noticed. Like, <laughs> but when you go when you go to the store and like everything's overpriced <laughs> like you get much less magic cards that way, you know? <laughs> I I think it's it's so, just weird so, to me. Go ahead, Frank, sorry. Yeah, so so like I think I think like like if I go to a store, like I expect to get a good deal, you know? And mm-hmm. but like that's that's not always the reality. Like when <laughs> when I started <laughs> playing early on, like I went to uh like I went to a store I went to the store and like I was trying to build like a janky treefold deck with mm-hmm. uh like Doran and uh there was like there was another like, there was a tree folk that was like XX where X is equal to the number of tree folks. <laughs> Don Dauntless Dowerbark. Yeah, exactly. So like they like they were selling like for almost nothing online. Then I go to the store and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, like uh we <laughs> pulled the price on those cards comes cuz some fucking random dude played it last week at and he crushed it. So we we tripled the card the price of those cards. So if you want to get those cards it's going to be like uh, $60 more. <laughs> so like after like after a few time of like these type of surprises <laughs> like you kind of wise up and you you just buy online you know cuz you don't like you don't have to deal with that you know <laughs> so, and like for like honestly like for the for the store owner like the the type of guy that spend that much money on magic like you'd rather like maybe you need to think like yeah maybe I can cut my profit margin for this guy and I'll still make like more money than I, if I just like send them off and like that that's <laughs> that's how I feel you know this, I totally I mean, agree. This is very like just like you said you can either make money on this guy or you can send him to the online store but how does sending someone to an online store make you any money as a store owner? It doesn't make you any money to send someone to an online store. This is stupid. Like, you want to sell something, but then you're like, oh, just go buy it somewhere else. Like, could you imagine if Walmart did that? If the greeters at Walmart were like, oh, yeah, our milk is overpriced. Just go buy it at Kroger. 
And well, they just send people away. Like, the only time it makes sense, I think, to, from a business point, in my opinion, is when there's a card availability issue. Like, they don't have that many of the card that you're looking for, and it's, or it's difficult for them to obtain it somehow. And so they want to just sell it to the people who basically don't know any better and so are willing to pay the higher price. Well, check so this out. Get more. Get more <laughs> cards. Yeah. But, I mean, sometimes just that's difficult, right? Especially, let's say, when we're talking about legacy cards. Right, like yeah. you, you, you should be one of the people you know who knows that it's often hard. There's, it's hard to find legacy. It's statement. not hard. It's not hard to find this stuff. You know what? Like I do this as a hobby. Okay, I don't do this as my full time job. And if anybody tells me, "Hey, build me a legacy deck. I'll pay you market value for it. I'll have that deck built in two weeks." Like this is not this is not a hard thing to do. You know, like I I've, think I've done it. I've done. I've built maybe like. Six or seven different legacy decks from people on Twitter or who just send me an email saying, I want this deck. I have none of the cards. I go out and trade for them and I have the deck in a week, two weeks tops. It's like, if I, I could do that on my spare time, like, why can't these stores just stock their, stock their stores? Like, I think, I think that's really the way that, like, the store should be operating, you know? Like, when you have, like, a, uh, like serious competitive players, like, talk to them, get them, like, ask them, like, what deck they want, what cards they're missing, how much they're willing to pay for, and for them, they can go and, like, they, like, the buy prices are much, lo- like, they're much lower than the, the selling value, you know? So, like, they, they can get those cards... And like maybe yeah, maybe they'll make a smaller margin, but they'll like they'll keep the guy happy, and uh, it'll be easier for everyone, you know. It's and because because like usually like I wish I could support like these uh, these local stores, you know. Like now I do it more since uh, Fast Fast launched their website, and like for all like the obscure like uncommons and uh, like. Things like that, like they're they're always like priced like very good now. So like I buy everything from there, but like it, it wasn't always like that. And you know, like I like all the cards I bought. You know, like a lot of them were like just janky rares. You know that like I wanted for my <laughs> casual decks. You know, and like for EDH and like those those type of thing. You know, so like not like like I understand that like with staples, it's it works a little bit differently. But uh I think like the like the buy list uh like getting your customers buy list basically uh like that's the way to go. And I I, basically that's what I think what that's what you've been doing with your your TTT and <laughs> Oh Frank oh. complimenting you. <laughs> well the thing is is like I don't think I think the the brick and mortar stores have built two myths, okay? A this myth that for some reason they should be able to charge more for the cards. Okay? This is, this isn't, this isn't, why should they be able to charge more for the cards? Like somehow they got away with convincing everybody that, hey, we're a brick and mortar so we're allowed to charge more than the fair market value of a card. And I'm saying this from a business perspective, I'm not saying this from a trade perspective, because in the trading, I think value is relative. Okay? But when you're selling a card and you have a competitor, Okay, then there, there is a, there's a market value, which is like the average of all the competitors or whatever. And, you know, 
there's the value that these brick and mortars have been getting away with selling cards at, which is like, just like you said, you know, it, it, it's different. It's a different idea for staples, but it, this is the second myth. There is no difference with staples. Okay. Just go get more staples. They're staples. You should have them in your store anyways. What are you going to do? Not stock staples? Well, I mean, if you're, obviously if you're like staples, you know, if that's the name of your store, you should probably have staples. <laughs> but sometimes some stores don't even use staplers. Yeah. You should use paper clips then. Paper clips <laughs> yeah. are good. That's <laughs> yeah, so like using Howard Mountain instead of Tundra. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that, uh, I think these stores, like, People are, are trying to give them a break for staples and saying, well, I understand staples are like high, high traffic item and like, you know, they're hard to get a hold of, like some whatever, you know. But the thing is, is like, if you're selling a lot of staples, that's a good thing. Go get more so you can sell more and you can make more money. Like, I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm describing how to pour like a glass of water. You know, it's like, it's the simplest thing you can do is like, you just turn on the, the, the spigot, you put your cup under there and you get the water, you turn it off when it's done. Like, this is easy stuff. Like, why is this so hard? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, some of these stores, like, are still doing well, you know, running the way they are, the old fashioned way, let's say. Mm-hmm. Like, one store in Montreal, you know, which used to have all the PTQs, Carta Magica. Then, you know, people would come there, you know, missing a card or two for their deck or whatever, and it'd be like, my friend, you know, had to pay $4 for Merfolk looters. Mm-hmm. I think I paid a dollar for a telepathy there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, and like, it, it's just, um, and then that, that store is opening a second branch, and like, you know, they were vending, they had a booth at the CMT, mm-hmm. and I just would look, like, fast fast, Spellskite, $8.00. Card of Magicka, Spellskite, $16. And they're right next to each other. Like, how stupid do people have to be to buy Spellskites for twice as much as they're at the store right next door? This is this is why I know when I do open a store, I'll be a success. Because people <laughs> like these guys who are charging $16 for a Spellskite can be in business still. That's why I know. <laughs> I'm time. <laughs> I love these Dude, guys. You guys are just—you're you, gonna get me going. This is just ridiculous. Come on, this is ridiculous. I think I mean, we gotta move on. We gotta move on. Right, well, John, they said no, but okay, Frank, go for it. What I wanted to get into also is the uh, the commander prices. Like, what's what's happening with the uh, commander at your store? Well, the commander prices were always going to be on the rise because. I mean, as as a as the format gets more popular, uh, people are going to be paying. No, no, I mean, I mean the new decks, like the sealed uh, commander decks. Yeah, I mean, they they said I talked to the guy. This is the problem, okay? Whenever I talk to my store owner or the guy who runs the store, or the manager or whatever, like they just whatever information I say or give, it's like. Everything changes. So, like, I talked to the guy. I'm like, he's like, hey, man, you should come up on Thursday. We're doing a midnight commander release. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Are you guys getting any of the decks? And they go, we're getting six of each deck. And I'm like, that's it? And they're like, he's like, yeah, we're getting six of each. He goes, I don't think we'll sell out. And I was thinking in the back of my head, well, if I'm there, you're going to sell out because I'm just going to buy them all. Like, (laughs) And so then he's like, He's like, why? And I'm like, oh, because I was thinking about picking up one of each. 
And then he was like, yeah, um, maybe we'll give you a deal if you pick up one of each because they're about 30 bucks a piece. So, like, maybe we'll cut you some slack and then you can get one of each. And I said, that sounds awesome. Have John hold me four or hold me one of each. Five is five decks, right? Right. I'm oh, like, man, I, right. I thought you'd be like, can you hold me uh, seven of each? No, no, no. No, or because like 25 of each since we got to give me a special deal. <laughs> they, they would catch on if I did that. So I'm just like, hold me one of each. And then he's like, okay. Because I never buy sealed product from them, ever, no matter what it is. You know what I mean? And he's like, okay, well, I had to talk to John about that, which is the owner. And I'm like, oh, crap. Because, like, now he's going to start researching, and then he's going to – they're probably going to sell them for hire because I asked for them. So now they're probably like, okay, why does Medina want one of each of these? This doesn't make sense. Like, he never buys sealed product. Like, there must be <laughs> – funny. So my, like, my store has the same feeling about me, kind of. If I'm going to buy something, instead of actually selling it to me, like at the price they've listed, instead the owner's like, um, it's two dollars more now, <laughs> or like whatever. And it's like, so, or or sorry, we don't have any in stock, Alex. Because <laughs> they know I'm like, if I'm buying something, I don't buy, you know, I don't have collection. So if I'm buying something, it's because I think that card's going to go up or whatever. <laughs> so so yeah, I think they're probably gonna, they probably will raise the price, but. This guy who runs the store, he doesn't raise prices too crazy. Like, he had the From the Vault Relics, and he was trying to sell them for the lowest in town. And, like, the big store was selling them for, like, 125 and someone else was selling them for 90 So he had them, like, at 80 85 So okay. it was way above MSRP, but it was, like, trying to be the lowest. Right. Why, why are, they, are they charging more, Frank, in your area, or what? I'm well, checking it's, flannel. It's <laughs> <laughs> flannel wire ball. <laughs> flannel wire ball. Well, yeah, the 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 wire the wire baller. They're they're selling like the five for two fifty now. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, that's just. I mean, I think people are are like panicking a little too much here with this. Um, you know, they're they're gonna there's gonna be plenty around. I think this first print run is like. I think they they ran it short or something because not a lot of people are getting the or, the quantities they ordered. But they're going to do another print run. This isn't the only one, you know. Yeah. So, like, like me, like me, I'm very contemptuous of uh, wizards, you know, with that because like they're they're kind of like creating like a false uh, uh, scarce uh, like. Like they, they're like they're limiting supply, and then like all the store go crazy and raise the prices, you know. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Me, I'm... me, I want the five decks, and I want the five decks for one fifty. That's it. Like I'm not asking for the moon, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a hustle every time, and it yeah. was the same when they came out with Elspeth versus Tezzeret. Yep, and. Uh, it's just, like, to me, like, it's fucking annoying, you know? Like, why can't I get that fucking product for what it's supposed to sell at, you know? Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I felt I felt that pissed off when I was trying to get... I had just moved to Ohio, and I was trying to get From the Vault uh, Relics or From the Vault Exiled. It was Exiled. So I really wanted From the Vault Exiled for my personal collection, not to, like, trade or whatever, you know? And, like... Just 
going around to the stores, like the stores in the area, because I had just moved here, they wouldn't sell it to me because I wasn't a, a regular. They're like, oh no, these are only for our regular customers. And like, what? so, so yeah, so like the person who was actually selling at MSRP, like it was only selling at MSRP to the regular customers. And then like everyone else was like 125, sure you can have it for 125. And I was just so pissed off because I was like, this is ridiculous. There's an MSRP and I know it's suggested, it's suggested, but it's like, come on, man. I know what these stores pay for these products. Like the store buys it for $13 and you know, then they're going to try to charge me 125 for the, for the thing, you know, and I understand it's supply and demand. I, I intellectually acknowledge all of these things. And I know that I probably sound like a hypocrite as a trader about all this stuff, but I still got annoyed because it was just like, look, I just want an easy path to pick up this from the vault exiled so I can have it for my collection and my vintage decks. That's all I wanted. And then it was like almost impossible to even get, like even if I was going to just fork over the 125. So, so yeah, I understand what you're saying, Frank. Well, and it's, it's even worse for a Deez Commander deck because as you're saying, it's going to be selling at Walmart and everywhere, you know? And yeah. Well, not in Canada, but. In Canada, they, gas stations all, sell gas. All, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so, here, uh, here's the thing. Like, if I find some, that like, then I'll just buy an extra one of each, you know? And I'll ship it. Well, yeah, I guess I can ship at FedEx because they're going to be kind of big, so. Huh. Do you think there's some stores that will sell it at the MSRP, like those that don't really know what's going on? Yeah, I think Definitely. so. I think, like, to be honest, if I had a store, I would sell it at MSRP. Okay. Because I think, like, I think that that is a, like, my store would be about the customer. And, like, I want, like, I want to build, like, a, a community in my store. I don't... You know, like, I think that if you build a community, the community will support you. So, like, part of the benefit of coming to my store is that I'm not going to try to, you know, Trade. I'm not going to try to take advantage of of your position, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the fact that you you came to me to buy a product, and just because online they're selling at 250 for five boxes, like, I'm not going to take advantage of that by by trying to raise my price. I think the only special consideration is if, like, what happened with From the Vault Exiled is that Star City Games is offering $90 to buy it, you know? So, like, as a store owner, it puts you in a really weird place because it's like, should I sell this at MSRP or should I sell it to Star City for 90 But I think even, like, on principle, I probably still wouldn't sell it to to Star City. Mm Mm-hmm. Because like I think like on principle, if you pay seventeen for the for the freaking product and you double your money, you're doing just fine. Like just you don't need to go and sell it for ninety, and and you build community by selling it to your your you know your customers instead of trying to trying to get every dollar out of everything. You know. Yeah, of course I think it's a bit different, right? When they have a very limited print run on something like that, right? I Where, think. I just think, just the fact of of selling it for retail price, like no, if nobody at all is selling it for retail price because they're they're so rare, right? There's the demand is way higher than the supply. It just kind of doesn't make sense. 
Well, fuck like, it, dude. Sell it anyways like that. All right. Well, what, I look it, forward to your sword uh, store. I mean, but. what's it going to hurt? Think about it. Like, as a trader, this is something I have to get used to. Okay. Like, I have to get used to shipping things at dealer buy price. I have to get used to a lot of different things. The, the, what you have to focus on as a trader and I think as a store owner is what did you pay and what are you shipping it at? Nothing else matters. If you can make your margins on shipping, on the difference between what you paid and what you're shipping it at, if you can keep the lights on and keep keep your lifestyle in, in, in order, then there's no reason to charge more. Right, but some people just have a baller lifestyle like Frank. Like what if he opened a store? You'd have to charge like three times what you know, the real price is. <laughs> He'd be getting high on his own supply, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Like, can oh, I man. buy these fetch lines from you? I need them for my personal collection. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, I think a lot of this is um, is evident. Like, people who trade with me or who've done business with me, I think they see the same kind of, uh, I guess, themes. You know, like I always try to hook people up with a little extra with like throw-ins. If I'm trading for something I need, like if I have a cash buyer for something then I always offer um, either equal to market value or more in trade because I know this card is already sold. So, like, it's different if I if I have a need for something. You know what I mean? I think I'd run my store the same way. If I had a buyer, then why would I, you know, why would I have to just try to lowball someone on a card that I know I'm going to sell immediately, you know? Right. I, I, yeah, I think for, like, the store owners, like... Uh like they have to like when you're moving cards, you know, like you just just keep it going and like uh, you're you're making money on every transaction. So the more you the more you sell, the more money you'll make in the end. You know. I agree. I don't want to. Like if you don't turn turn off any people in the long run, that's what's gonna get you there. I agree. I don't want to yeah. be. I feel like we've just spent like way too much time on this topic because it's already been hashed in two different casts. I, I'm I'm sorry, it's partially my fault. So partially, most okay, kidding. So I want to talk about some legacy. Like this cast, I was looking forward to this cast tonight, um, uh, and because I tried out a new legacy deck. Okay. Have you guys talked about it, or can I talk about it? Which uh, deck did you try? I tried the Manaless Dredge deck. <laughs> Dredge deck. Isn't, that, isn't that a vintage deck? It's supposed to be a vintage deck, but check this out. I was watching Star City Games coverage this weekend, and I saw a dude on there, and he was playing Dredge with no lands. And I was like, I need to do that. <laughs> Did you guys see that? I have seen the list. Okay. I so, was not watching the coverage because KYT and I were providing coverage of our own. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I was watching your guys' coverage, too. Were we professional <laughs> enough for you, John? I, I thought that you guys were, like, chowing down on food, and uh, <laughs> that was not professional, because you were just like, come kick it with Alex and KYT at our house. <laughs> mm, we're having pretzels. What's up, guys? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> it was almonds, okay? We, we had a segment on almonds. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know... I, I thought you guys did good overall. Um, I watched KYT play his match against some dude, um, some duder. <laughs> I don't really remember details of it, but I was just, I think KYT won. And I was like, man, KYT plays so damn slow. 
Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, anyways, back to the mannerless dredge. So I'm watching the coverage on Star City, and I was like, this is insane. Like, it's just like a novelty. The novelty of the fact that he's running mannerless dredge, I had to try it. So, like, I built it on Moto, and I played some games with it. What do you guys think of this deck, first of all? Let me get your just like your short opinion. It seems reasonable, but I find some cards, some card choices are wrong. I think. But. Okay, Frank, what do you think? I think it seems amazing. I okay. can't wait to hear more from you. <laughs> Kyt, what do you think? Where, I where's the list? <laughs> oh, you haven't seen the list? Okay, here I'll, I'll forget break it, it man. Start start Star Cities down. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'll break it down. I got it memorized. Don't worry about it. All right. So he runs twelve, twelve chancellors. He runs the white one. Wow. Uh, he runs the red one. That makes the dude. Basically, the white one says counter the first spell if uh, unless they pay one. The red one makes a dude, and the black one drains for three. Okay. So he runs red, black, and white. And I then he, he was runs, playing blue. No. No, no blue chancellor. Well, the blue chancellor mills the opponent. It doesn't mill you. Oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah, it would, if if the blue chancellor milled you, then this deck would really, really be good. Um, so then the other thing he runs is like uh, he runs uh, the typical dredgers, the Golgari Dra- Grave Troll. Uh, what is it? Stinkweed Imp, and uh, and then he runs uh, what's that? Golgari Thug, and then grab shell or what what is it um scrambling scap um shambling shell that's it shambling shell he runs like four shambling shells too because those are also dredgers and then he runs four dread return uh an angel of despair uh four bridges and um and four street wraith okay okay so like his concept is this basically you open oh four cabal therapy obviously and so four Nether Spirit, right? Oh, four Cabal Therapy, four Icarid, four Nether Spirit, and four then Narcomiba. four Narcomiba. Dread Return. And then there's another one, uh, Gigapede, three Gigapede, because yeah. Gigapede's important. So, like, let me explain what these things do that are unfamiliar. Uh, the Nether Spirit, if you have three creature cards on top of it, right? Or, yeah, yeah if yeah. you have three creature cards on top of it in the graveyard the Nether Spirit can come back from the graveyard. 1-1 okay? haste. It's a 1-1 one, one haster for two black. doesn't matter. You don't have lands. Um, and then, I'm uh, looking at the... What's that card called? Nether Spirit. I'm, I'm looking it up. Oh, oh it, Nether uh, Shadow. Oh, Nether okay. Shadow. Yes. The sorry, sorry, Nether Shadow. Sorry, guys. Nether Shadow. Okay, Gigapede uh, Giga is a green, like, six drop or something. It doesn't really matter what it is. It basically is this green creature that is, if it's in the graveyard, in your upkeep, you can discard a card to bring it back to your hand. Okay, so it's basically your discard outlet. So, um, well, your first discard phase and the gigapede is how you get stuff in the graveyard. So anyways, you choose to, you choose to draw every time, okay, and then you draw and basically discard a dredger. You wow. never mulligan. That's an important thing. You too. never mulligan because if you mulligan, you're just behind like infinite turns. Okay, <laughs> so like if you have a, a street wraith in your hand, it's the sickest because you you discard, you pass the turn, and then they do whatever inconsequential bullcrap they do, and then <laughs> and then at the end of their turn, you cycle 
the street wraith, and then you dredge at wow. the end of the turn. So you dredge all this crap in your graveyard, and then hopefully you get another dredger or a, or a gigapede, because if you get a gigapede, then you just pitch your dredger back, and then in your draw step, you dredge again. Okay. So, like, so like this deck goes only on game actions, pretty much. You don't cast a single spell, um, and you basically... You basically just go through the motions, and and since there's four bridges, four dread return, and four cabal therapies, like everything is super, like some dredge lists, like they'll run three dread returns and like maybe three cabal therapy, one in the board. Like this one is all like, it's all very redundant. So, wow, it's kind of like you never have a bad hand because you always have a dredger, and you know this kind of stuff. Wow! So I, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome because it's but it's not, the, not very hard to impress KYT though. <laughs> but but is here's, it good? <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. Okay, it's it's a it's an okay deck, but there's, oh. there's some weaknesses. Okay, weakness number one: days. If they daze your dread return, you just you you can't dread return. You lose. You know what I mean? You lose the dread return. Um, so, like, Cabal Therapy is important there, but sometimes you don't always have a Cabal Therapy. You're running out of time, and you need to Dread Return. And then if you Dread Return and they just daze or Spell Pierce, then you lose the Dread Return. Uh, but you do get Zombies. So there was a time where a guy dazed my Dread Return, and it didn't matter, because I just sacked my Zombies to Dread Return again, because there's four in the deck, you know? Um, so there's okay. So there's that. You are completely dead to a Ley Line of the Void. <laughs> <laughs> like if they have a leyline of the void, you, you die. Like if you, there's nothing you can do about it, um, so that's a problem. Um, I changed the list because the list is a little bit slow. Like you dredge, and it's 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 got that like inevitable inevitability to it. But I felt like it was a little bit slow, so I cut a um, I cut a couple of the black chancellors. For two of the um, Sphinx of the Lost Truth, and mm. and that speeds it up because what you do is you basically ban a Sphinx and then you Dread Return it and then you just draw with the Sphinx and you um, dredge all of your dredgers with the Sphinx and it just like turbos you out faster. It's funny because I was playing a mirror match on Moto when I started playing this and so I'm like. I'll, uh, I'll draw and I pass it to the guy and the guy's like mirror match. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. What's he playing? And then he, he's playing the dredge. So like basically I beat him cause I had Sphinx and I just like got ahead of him in the graveyard. And then I double dread return a Sphinx. And then, um, what's that guy? Uh, the chancellor of the annex, which basically says every spell they play counter unless they play one. <laughs> right. So like they he has anymore. Yeah, wow. he can't he can't play any spells because they're just they can't. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but uh, Medina, you said days and spell pierce and stuff are problems. But yeah. don't don't you just like cabal therapy away all that stuff? Yeah, I said that you could cabal therapy, but the problem is is like decks that have days like uh that, that Bant deck has days, um Merfolk has days. The problem is they're putting a clock on you early and like you might have to dread return Sooner than you than you have a cabal therapy, or sometimes you're like your hand is like cabal therapy cabal therapy, and you're dredging for another one, but there's only two more in the deck. But and you, you or a gigapede, I guess, right? 
Yeah, a Giga P, because then you can discard the Cabal Therapy. But right. all this, this is the problem with the deck, is that it takes time, you know? Like, it takes a turn to go through your dredge situation every time. So, like, you really have to decide what to discard to the Gigapede because it's like, well, do I want to set up a dread return with a creature that's in my hand? Do I want to, like, set up another dredger? Like, there's all kinds of different, like, things that you have to decide. So you can't always you can't, get the... You can't set it up with Gigapede that you activate its ability and in response activate its ability again? Uh, activate Gigapede's ability. And then how could you, in response, activate it again? Well, you hold priority. Uh-huh. And then, like, basically you put ability to return to your hand, and then you put another ability to return to your hand. But isn't it, like, a triggered ability that happens in your upkeep? Learning? Like, I'd have to read the card. That's why I'm not sure about it. Yeah, I think it's a trigger that happens in your upkeep, because I didn't have any option. Like, if I had two gigapedes in the graveyard, it was awesome, because then I could do two things. Like, I could set up a, a dredger and, like, some action, like a cabal therapy or, like, um, you know, some kind of a target for dread return or something. So it it takes a lot of um I think it's gonna like for to actually be good with the deck it takes a lot of um practice. Um but at the same time it's like it takes practice but the thing is is you lose to a ley line. And and days and spell pierce are tough to play through. So it's kinda like, do you really want to spend the time practicing this deck <laughs> if it if it just you know if you have to scoop it up to a ley line. I did think though, like I think the red the red chancellor is really cool in dredge because it gives you another creature to cabal, to sack to cabal therapy or to sack to uh to uh what's it called dread uh, yeah dread return so i thought yeah, that was how, how cool. good are are the chancellor in the deck um i found that the white chancellor is really not that good because all they do is they're like okay so they don't play their noble hierarch on turn 1 on turn two, they play their hierarch and just pay the one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or this one time I had two white chancellors, and I'm like, oh, man, this guy's going to get it so bad. And then he's just like, island, ponder, countered, okay. You know, and he's got the days open for, like, if I had the dread return or cabal therapy or something. So it's just kind of not. Yeah, for the record, Gigapede is a triggered ability, so it does not work how I thought. So you can't you can't respond you can't like hold priority and keep discarding. Yeah, that would be sick if you could though. Yeah, it would be pretty sick. <laughs> but yeah, like when I looked at the list, I wasn't I, I liked the red chancellor, but I wasn't too sold on the other ones. Actually, I I wasn't sold on the black one because I thought the white one was the blue one and it can uh-huh. yourself. So I didn't really check. But uh, yeah, not not huge on the white one either. But I guess it buys you some time, and since the deck is, as you like you say, slower than normal dredge. Yeah, I think it's necessary to buy you the first turn because you definitely want to get that turn bought for you. But then, like the black one, just didn't seem to do much of anything. That's why I cut two for the um, Sphinx. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like the Sphinx is really good; speeds you speeds you up. Like when you get to dread return point of time, and the black black one seems like it doesn't really do anything relevant for the deck. Like Draining yeah. the three of their life is just doesn't. Who cares, right? I but I, mean, I would want the black one because I was playing against Zoo, and they have a, a pretty fast like lock, clock with your life because you're not interact interacting right. really that much. So like I'd like the black one in like burn or Zoo matchups. You know what I mean? I agree. But you can um, sideboard it then, right? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. What's in the sideboard actually of the deck. Well, they have Gitaxi and Probe in the sideboard, 
And I'm not really sure how much I like this card. Like, at first, that's the whole reason I wanted to play the deck. Because I was like, oh, man, Gitaxian Pro with no mana. That sounds sick. So, like, I wanted to play it like that. But in playing the deck, I don't really know if I like Gitaxian Pro because it's like the the decks that you wanted against are, like, the combo decks or something. So you can Actually, cabal- I disagree. I think the decks you wanted against are the aggro decks like Zoo and such that can't counter it. They can't interact with you. Yeah, like, but I think you wanted like another Street Wraith. Like you said how nuts Street Wraith was. Yeah, Street Wraith so is you nuts. You just wanted it's like a cantrip for free so you could dredge with it. See, I was using it okay, you're probably right, because I was using it in the counter matchup, in the uh, in the combo matchup and stuff, because I'm figuring like I wanna I wanna know it's a cabal therapy. Right. So like so like I'm gonna use this and it's gonna help me speed up my dredges. But the problem was is they just countered it and then it put me behind like a exactly. hundred turns, like because I didn't draw the card, so then I couldn't discard my dredger. And so like what I was finding is if you do play it in the counter or combo matchup, you have to wait till you have like two dredgers in the yard. And then like it doesn't set you back the turns that it would because then you just dredge one dredger and then you dredge the other dredger, and then you're caught up, you know, without having to discard. Right. I actually you know, think it, yeah, I think it's counterintuitive, but, like, that it's actually thinking the board for, for the opposite matches of those, like the ones that don't have mental misstep, for instance. Yeah, so it's that, super counterintuitive, because you lose life to do it also. And right. I wouldn't want to do that against Zeus, so I didn't even bring it in. Right, but I think, like, it's the amount of two life is, like, way less than a turn's worth, right? You're getting, because you're getting whole turn value, basically, out of the card. Sure, I, I understand what you're saying now. Like, probably it would have sped up my dredges, yeah. So that I would be, I'd be having zombies faster. So then, like, the two life would be less meaningful. Right, because basically, like, you're, you're basically by paying two life, you're getting an extra turn, which is like your draw step of dredges. Yeah. And you know, if they have like any creature, they're attacking for at least two damage, usually more. So the two life is worth it, you know, compared to the amount of time you extra dredging you get, basically. Yeah, and I think the Chancellor of the Annex is sick in those matches because they can't oh, of course, put the, yeah. yeah, they can't put the Nactal down quickly. And so so I think like the deck you need you also need a um you need a Blazon Archon. You need one of those in the in the seventy five somewhere. Because like the I just felt like interacting against Zoo is like it was really tough to win against Zoo. What about Elish Norn, man? Elish Norn. Elish Norn doesn't do anything against Zoo because they have Tarmogoyf and Nactyls. What are you What are you talking about? I thought every time Elish Norn over Blazing Archon. Every time against <laughs> Merfolk and Goblins, yeah, dude. Not even every time against Merfolk. Every time against Goblins, for sure. Yeah. Against Merfolk, I'd say it's, I think it's like... 99? 99%? No, I don't know. Like, if they have two Lords or something, it's pretty awkward. Yeah. But I guess in that with that deck you you you're not getting island walked so it's kind of yeah yeah island. so it's it's you know I don't even whatever like, anyways it's, let's call it a wash yeah but, it's a uh, wash but I, I didn't even say I'm not <laughs> I'm, five. I'm not I'm not even talking about Alice Norn right now I'm talking about Blazing Archon you need it it's it's different than the other dredge deck like you have to understand. This this manaless dredge deck is different than the other one, not because it's missing lands, duh, but it's like it plays a lot different. It plays more, um, 
it's it's Maybe more slower. dependent. Go ahead. More slower, slower and grindier, sort of. Yeah, it's more grindy, and it's like you really have to. You like in the other dredge deck, you can kind of free ball, and like sometimes you could take a chance and lose your bridges and stuff like that. But like this one, you cannot lose your bridges. You really gotta conserve, like, or how you play it. Like, you might not want to uh, street wraith if you have like one bridge. Uh, you might want to like bait it out so they, the the dude that you're attacking through will die. You lose your bridge, and then you can dredge your other bridges in, because it's like you really depend on the bridges and the zombies to get you through. And it's not yeah. as much it's not as much about the dread return target. The only reason the um, the angels there is to clear like a problem permanent. You know, because you really need um, you really need kind of a, a little bit of board control with this uh, with this uh, this build. Mm. You, you need you need your guys to do stuff. Like it needs to be like because you can't play spells. So like any any dread returning that you're doing has to technically be a spell. Like it has to do something to the board, you know, or further your dredge like the Sphinx. All right. Well. Um what else was in the, is in the sideboard besides Jutaxian probes? Uh, they had um, four uh, ley lines. Okay. And they had an Elish Norn. Um, they had the Blightsteel Colossus. Why? Uh, uh, because if you you don't lose to Painter that way, basically Painter will grind you out, and then the Blightsteel will still be in the library. Okay. But then you also have like. A full, everything in your grave, yeah. Yeah, everything you'll in your grave. You'll kill them. Yeah. So you'll just kill them. Um, so there's that. That That's what I think it's for. Who knows? I mean... You, <laughs> well, you that makes sense. Yeah, you don't cast a Blightsteel in this deck. <laughs> I guess if Painter's, like, common enough that it's worth worth that slot. I've been seeing traditional dredges running one Blightsteel on the board, too, so... Probably. So you have the four probe, you have four uh, ley lines, an Elishdorn... Um, a blight steel, and then um, what else do they have in there? Um, man, I don't even remember now. Because you you were saying that leyline you can't beat, but like, what if you played four dryad arbor and four um, Re- Re- reverence islands? I think you could see. I thought about board, stuff. Right? Yeah, I, I thought about stuff like this. Like, like kind of making a mini board for Leyline, but I felt like it's probably better just to scoop to the Leyline. Like, if they got it, they got it, you know, and if they don't... Yeah, I mean, traditional dredge practically scoops the Leyline anyways, right? Yeah, I mean, people stop running, uh, like, the recent dredge lists have not been really running the, um, the bounce spell. Well, well, at least, yeah, at least the, um, the fearless dredge, dredge deck or whatever it was. Um, That's partly why it's called Fearless, though, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, because they're just like, who cares about Leyline? We're doing this. So I can't remember what else was in the board. Now I'm uh, now I'm kind of getting annoyed. There was no lands. Um, it was... What the heck else was there? I don't know. But I thought about stuff that I might put in there. Like, I was thinking about Unmask. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about Mental Misstep. Um, I think the problem with all those cards is that, like, it makes your hand size drop below 8. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, this is this is the typical like I ran into the same thing, the same thought when I was thinking about stuff to put in the deck. Like exactly like you said, if I put a mental misstep in the sideboard and then I bring it in against Zoo or something, well, the time that I'm going to want a mental misstep is on turn one. So then when I mental misstep, then I go behind it uh, like a whole turn or two, you know. So yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. But I mean, there is. Yeah, I don't know. You have to you have to really play yeah. with the deck to figure out what the what the problem matchups well, are. Well, it definitely sounds like an interesting and fun deck, so you guys can try it. And it's probably pretty cheap, right? I mean, there's no expensive cards in it, really. Yeah, it's super there's cheap. There's no expensive lands for sure. <laughs> yeah, no 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 use for all, any of your ridiculously expensive duels, huh, Frank? <laughs> exactly. You're like still add all these. <laughs> I mean, plus, you get to say that, right? When you, when you win with that deck, you, you, have, you always have seven cards. Yeah, you, hand, still, right? you still have all like, these. Still at all these. <laughs> <laughs> still at all these chancellors. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes, like, reanimating one of the chancellors is just fine, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. Especially the, the red one, right? If you have a bunch of dudes. Yeah, the red one, if you have a bunch of dudes, or, like, the white one, if they're a little bit mana screwed, like. Or just... the black one, if, like,. You know, you want to attack with a flying creature? No, never the black one. <laughs> I never wanted to reanimate. The black one just seems terrible. Guys, the only reason I think I like the black one is that it's a black creature. So that you can remove it to Icarid. Yeah, that's true. I, I did that the, seems bad. I did that a couple times. In uh, that, that black Chancellor is like, it's probably though the best in Limited. Like a 3-3, three, three, uh, six, six, uh, flying lifeling guy, that's... Uh, that's, yeah. that's annoying to raise. A, a tree tree? <laughs> Are we still talking about tree folk? A tree no, tree? No, no, uh, I, I, I messed up there. It's a 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, oh, Frank. We still love you. Bro. Everyone still loves you, Frank. Everyone. I hope so. Where's KYT? Talking about Frank love, we want to get to our segment where we read our uh, favorite comments. Oh, man. This is the worst. So Frank, you want to start? You want to start? Start us off with your favorite feedback. Yeah, yes, my favorite feedback of the week. Uh, it came from someone on Twitter who sent me a direct <laughs> message. He said, "What up, Frankie? <laughs> Just wanted to let you know that crazy talk is awesome. You need to remind Medina that you're the star of the show." <laughs> so, so Jonathan, consider yourself served. <laughs> I'm so the I, star. Not I missed. I missed the guy's name. Who was this? I'm not gonna reveal his identity because oh. I know you're gonna you're gonna make life miserable for him. Yeah, you're gonna be like John. You're gonna be like you know everybody except for this guy gets ten percent off all cards ordered from Jonathan Medina. <laughs> Fuck you. you know? <laughs> Well, whoever this guy is, why don't you say it to my face, punk? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. I'm not going to sell him out. I'll wait for him to sell himself out. You know? None of this back backdoor, you know, little direct messages stuff. You tell me to my face, man. So, Medina, nope. what's your... You know, uh, you know what? Like, you posted his comment on Twitter today, <laughs> and yep. uh, he, sent, he sent me another direct message. You wanted me to read that one? <laughs> yeah, 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 read it, read it, read it. 
I love that common that got that I love that my common got Medina riled up. The truth must hurt more than oh. <laughs> This guy man, he's awesome. So so yeah, um I put I put his comment and I put Mark by it. Um because in the gang world, whenever you see someone that's gonna get terminated, you put a you say Mark. You know what I mean? So, like, if you're walking by someone and you want them to know that they're going to die, you're just like, Mark. So, Man, that's what Mark meant. So, so you, you hanged out, hang out with a lot of gangsters? Uh, <laughs> I can't confirm or deny that. Man, are you sure? Because you're sure this is what gangsters do? Because it sounds a lot like what pirates do. Are you sure you're not, like, a pirate? You're I've like, seen it's a black spot. I've seen, seen it on a movie, dude. <laughs> oh, man. So, Medina, what's your favorite feedback? Uh, it's actually from manadeprived.com. Um, and it's actually in the A-team's comments. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> how, how did you weed through all that shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all like 150,000 comments. No, uh, actually, it's on manadeprived. It's on our last episode. And it's from Oats... Oats Wilder? What, how do you pronounce this thing? O-A-T-E-S-T-W-D-E-R. Dude, get an easier name to pronounce. Okay, Oats but Wilder? I don't know. Yeah. Your, your comment was awesome, so I'm gonna read. It says, Haha, that was a mint episode. Sounds like you guys have a great time. Hard luck at the end there, Alex. An epic story from Frank. That was crazy! <laughs> Keep it up, guys. It's epic. Awesome. Love feedback like that. Yeah, I love. You know what feedback I did not love is all the people trying to get me to send them cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not gonna happen, dude. I, I Only... kind of saw that happening, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> after you're like, yeah, guess what? You you were a loyal listener, so we're gonna send you cards to Drew. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's like the story. There's a joke, you know. Um, this is Barber, and he, there's a, you know, policeman comes to uh, get his hair cut and, you know, offers to pay at the end. He says, no, 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 you, you protect the community. So next day there's a dozen donuts on his, his doorstep. And then, uh, you know, the, the, he's serving a, a doctor, and, and the, you know, the doctor who offers to pay says, no, no, you help heal, heal the innocent. So, uh, you know, next day is a whole bunch of fresh equipment at his door. And you know, then he he serves a lawyer, and he, the lawyer goes to pay. Says, "No, no, you, you help keep the the innocent out of out of jail." And the next day, there's twelve do- lawyers at his doorstep. <laughs> 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 no offense to any of you who are lawyers. <laughs> yeah, because of all the lawyers who listen to our cast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're gonna so, have one that's gonna be like, "Actually, I am a lawyer." Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually considering becoming a lawyer myself. So. No, All right, so my, my favorite feedback is on Mana Deprived by MTG Vector. The comment is, first of all, this podcast is awesome. I've listened to, to it from day one and haven't missed any. Second, I enjoy the Frankermeister, <laughs> but he keeps reminding me of this guy. And he gives a link. <laughs> Wait for it, guys. Silence for a moment. And you can hear. 
I was about to bone my girlfriend out at the lake, but she yelled, so I looked up and it was Bigfoot. What's next? Then I went back to bone her, but the mosquitoes were going crazy and she said there was no way. Oh, I, man. I do sound like that. Oh, man. Wait. Frank, Frank, say you were about to bone your girlfriend. Say it. I was about to bone my girlfriend. <laughs> Frank, say I was cooking pastas. I was cooking pastas. <laughs> oh, man. I sound oh, like the governor, don't I? See, yeah, cause I, I, Frank does sound a little bit like that guy. <laughs> so, awesome oh. comment, dude. And there's a lot of other comments I love, but that one was just... You know, sorry, it was just awesome. <laughs> oh, that was ridiculous. <laughs> um, all right, before you go, KYT, before you yeah. go, brief strategy interruption. Okay, <laughs> so Manalist Dredge, the other four sideboard cards that I didn't remember was Chalice of the Void. Mm. Mm. They drop it for zero to stop from getting a cryptid. Right. Yeah. So I guess you can also put it for zero against like a combo deck or something like yeah. like storm you know, yeah. stop all their petals and lines eye diamond and stuff. I think it's crap because you have to play it like you were saying about mental misstep. Yeah, I mean I think it's only good enough if like you have enough time and against I, I don't know if you really have enough time against like crypt and stuff. But yeah, because yeah. they're like turn one crypt and you're like shit. Yeah, <laughs> you're supposed to win game one, so I don't know. Seems a little awkward, but... So go ahead, KYT, sorry. Um, I don't know, I always I always think I shout out this guy too many times, but Drew, um, he thought it was, the last episode was the best crazy talk of all time. Crazy talk, I feel has not, I feel has become not only the premier legacy MTG podcast, but I would put in the same league as Top 8 Magic and Monday Night Magic as one of the best empty podcasts of all time. Holy smokes. So that's heavy praise. And there's other cast comments as well. And I think we need to devote, you know, a future episode to certain questions that our commenters leave us. I see one from um, Brett, one from Derek. Brett, who wants to know quickly... Um, if he if would Frank rather bone his wife. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that request is no. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. Sure, Frank. Have you, have you seen his wife yet? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen my my girlfriend, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> Just make sure you close the window, bro. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So we do have, like, a few questions that would require us to really make a discussion out of it. So, listeners, we will. I think we should devote an ep- episode to to questions. But here quickly, Brett's a quick one. He says that um, he needs to choose between Legacy and Standard. He's like, I love Legacy. I've been playing Goblins since 03, but I checked the Mothership, and the closest Legacy tournament is over 200 miles away. Uh, I live in Texas, so at this point, if I invest in the format I enjoy, I don't have anywhere to play. But if I invest in Standard, I won't invest, enjoy it as much, but at least I'll have places to play. So my question, Legacy or Standard? Let's roundtable this one. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start and say, uh, I guess, um, how I've been... Uh, how I've been 
getting into the formats has been based on the tournaments and the people that have been playing, whatever they're playing here. So, I mean, if I were him, I would definitely uh, play standard. I mean, I only started Legacy because SCG was starting something. I was going to GP Providence, uh, the local game store, face-to-face games <laughs> at good monthly uh, Legacy tournaments. So, you know, for me, if there weren't such tournaments, I would not be playing Legacy, as sad as that might make some of you uh, feel. Next. Um, I guess I'll go next. Uh, first of all, you should probably just invest in Standard, because, I mean, playing Magic is better than not playing Magic. Uh, don't worry, dude. If you play Standard, we're still going to love you here at Crazy Talk, um, <laughs> you know. I, I wouldn't recommend investing in anything standard until after the 20th because we don't know what is getting banned or what is not getting banned. And, you know, just give it give it a little time for, for whatever the 20th happens to settle. Then What's invest. your personal uh, guess, Medina? I think Stoneforge is getting banned. Oh, yeah? Yep. So you say you, you do not engage on Stoneforge Mystic? <laughs> I, I engage all day. I hope it gets banned so I can just start buying them up. Because you think it's going to be a legacy staple? It's sick in legacy and it's sick in extended. Who cares, man? People will be so selling. What's them extended? For... I forgot. Oh yeah, modern, extended, overextended. Overextended, whatever. modern. Those those sound fun formats. Extended. <laughs> that sounds. Like I, I think they. I think they should have over modern. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. More Frank. So so yeah, I think. I think it's uh, it's clear. The other thing is, if you ever want to play a legacy tournament, you can always just bum a deck off someone. There's typically typically legacy players have extra decks. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, real quick, while my mind is on it, KYT, I was listening to the A team. Oh God! And you said something about like I just got into legacy for Providence. Like you just answered the question here, and you're like, I don't know what to do with all these dual lands and stuff. What are you talking about, man? Are you talking about getting rid of your legacy stuff? No, no, that, not to you at least. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I think this was two episodes ago. Yeah, I, I think I was worried that I wasn't uh, going to be as driven in Legacy uh, without, because um, it's like, it's like that feeling where you're trying to reach a, a PTQ top eight, and you get there, and then you're like, you know, all that, you, you feel like you've already achieved. Like GP Providence has passed, and I think we created this podcast largely. Um, you know, us three going to GP Providence was a big part of that, I think. And, uh, you know, I was just wondering uh, if my passion for Legacy would would still be there. And that's, well, that's all. If it's not, you're fired, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God I still love the format. Yeah, you better get your shit I together. I mean, uh, we, me and Alex commented on, on the Legacy tournament, and, you know, uh, I, I love it. I love seeing people... Misplay in Legacy, uh, it's, it's, it become like, uh, the, even in Standard or, or any, any, like commenting was a lot more fun that, that I could ever imagine. But as I told Alex while you were, uh, while you weren't on the show yet, uh, maybe it's the fact that these guys misplayed. Maybe if like two players were playing perfectly, it wouldn't be as funny and, and, uh, entertaining for me to, to comment on. So, that uh, seems, hope- that seems weird to me because like me, like I watched a pro tour, and like I like watching like good games of Magic. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, you didn't get. It, you, you think it's boring to see people playing well? No, it's not boring, but it's boring to commentate on it. 
Right. Like, what are you going to say? Like, oh, he made the right play again. Oh, looks like both players are playing amazingly well. Oh, look, Randy, it looks like he played a land for his turn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's harder to comment. Like, if I was to commentate on, on PV's games, right, there's less to say than, like, um, for me to say. Like, like he might make some high-level high move that I'm, I don't really can't really break down, whereas, you know, a blatant misplay, like not playing Lord of Atlantis when you can, and uh, stuff like that, I mean. <laughs> Frank, you didn't, you didn't get to catch the funny matches, right, Frank, that we covered? No, like, the thing is, like, I didn't go because, like, I had other yeah. things to do, and right. if I would have, like, kind of ditched those things to watch <laughs> <laughs> magic coverage, like, it... Like I think it's worse. I might as well go if if I'm not gonna be here. Right. So if you watch the cover, hopefully coverage up like tomorrow. Like hopefully the organizers get it up, and then maybe you'll understand why. Yeah, but like, like yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. uh, some of that. I think we did pretty well considering the pro tour and the SCG were happening at the same time, yeah. and we actually had more people watching the feed than there were playing in the tournament. So. <laughs> <laughs> MTG Mom was watching us, so shout-outs to MTG Mom. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, if, if, if we're going to, like, finish, like, on uh, Brett's question, like, I had actually answered him in the comments. And okay. Yeah, I haven't given well, my answer yet, actually. And uh, what I told him is, like, yeah, you like you should get into formats that you can play, because, like, else it's, uh, it's not, like, it's a waste of money, it's a waste uh, of resources. And, uh, like, the, my options to him was, like, if you want to play Legacy, like, you can play online on MTGO. Yeah. And, like, the problem with Standard is that you always have to keep up, you know. So if you're tight, like, if your budget is tight, like, that might not be the best uh, avenue for you. So I was, uh, I was also, like, turning him on to uh, EDH with, with the, the pre-constructed deck. If you can get your hands on them for not too expensive, like that's another internal format that uh, that is a lot of fun. And if if in your if if in your region like it, there's an active community. It's it's a fun format to get into. So Alex, so yeah, I I think I mean having a legacy deck is completely useless if there's nobody to play against, right? Or nobody to play with. Like, you know, it's it gets boring goldfishing after a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so I would, I mean, if, if you have no other options, I would definitely invest in a standard deck instead. But what I would try and do is talk to your local TO, your tournament organizer or store owner or something, and see if, you know, you, you can get any interest in Legacy if there's people in the community who are maybe interested in playing some Legacy tournaments and see if you can get something to happen, maybe just one, you know, to try it out. And... uh and maybe you could actually start getting legacy tournaments nearby. But, That's a uh, good idea. But you know, if, if obviously if that if that falls through, then there's always standard. You know, plan uh, plan plan B, or plan type two. <laughs> <laughs> like just just like if you're like if you're on a budget, also just like just playing limited. Like to me, like I think it's uh, it's it's super fun. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, when I started playing, I had no cards in the, or anything, and I, I played a lot of limited, and it was awesome. 
I got really, I got, I, I improved a lot as a player through playing limited. I, so I support, I support a lot of that, like playing limited and EDH. Like I haven't played really any Type Two or Legacy in the last couple, like probably the last month. I, I just been playing a lot of uh, EDH, you know. Is that what your wife calls it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I don't want to burn any children's ears over here with what goes on, you know. <laughs> because I don't know what EDH you're talking about. You know, there's there's a format called Commander, but uh... it's not called Commander. It's called EDH. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was hoping to start my EDH like like I said from the beginning. I was going to start with these uh, preclines, but I need to get my hands on them. Ugh. It's so funny that you, like, I don't understand why people are like, oh, yeah, I haven't built an EDH deck. I'm lazy. Dude, like, <laughs> like seriously, like, I sat here while I was watching a movie, and I built an EDH deck. It's done. Like, here's, what are you guys doing? Yeah, take 99 cards that in, in, a, in a color combination and that are all different and just shove them together, and you got an EDH deck. It doesn't matter if they're good or whatever. You Dude, just play my with deck- that and then upgrade it. My deck is sick, man. Well, th- that's actually a good idea to just play with what you like. Like, put the cards you want in there, and then like just put filler and play with it, and then update it as you go. Yeah, like I started my first EDH deck I made. I just took like all my favorite cards in like in, in like green, black, and white, and slammed the ten eb and as my general, and like went went to town. And it was awesome. Just like Frexian Arena, Eternal Witness, Mortify, Putrefy. You know, just all those goodies, and like you're still always casting good spells, and you're having a blast because you're casting all these cards that are awesome. That's, yeah. that's all I was doing. You know, yeah. as I got more accustomed to the format, like you know, I put in cards that I didn't think were like any good before. You know, like they cost like 50 billion mana, but did like some really obscure thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just built a Memnarch deck tonight, and the whole reason I wanted to build it was because that card, Training Ground. So the new land? No, training ground is that. Well, no, the new land sucks for this okay, deck. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what I was wondering. I'm like, what? What are? What are oh, training ground is the blue enchantment, right? Yeah, it's like a one drop, and it says activated abilities of creatures you control cost up to two less to activate. So, like, pretty much like with Memnarch for like a blue and a colorless, you could take artifacts and stuff. It's pretty sick. But yeah, the new land kind of hoses Memnarch a bit, no? Yeah, but I'm running, like, uh, Wasteland, uh, you know, Tectonic Edge. Plus, I guess you, know. you can always steal it with the Memnarch. Yeah, it's fine, dude. It's like, nice, good luck. I'm, yeah, it's like, I'm not going to use this land's ability, bro. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know the land, I think it only works on uh, on creatures. You sure about that? Yeah, yeah, I think it's only, like, creatures. Oh, sick. Medina's like, Ding! Thing. I don't care. I'm building Memnarch anyways because I want to play with Training Ground. And blue cards. Blue cards are sweet. Yeah, I want to play with Tezzeret. I got Tezzeret, Big Jace, Little Jace, Fabricate. Uh, I also, I also want to play with Unwinding Clock. So I put that in there. Yeah, that card's sweet. Yeah, Eight see? More views for artifacts, man. I know, it's sick. Oh, I, pu- I put a Hex Parasite in there for my Trinket Mage to fetch. And then I'm going to put a Dark Depths in here. So yeah, I can, what's like, awesome is that all these cards that are absolute garbage in, like, every other format are just, like, the nuts in EDH. Like, yeah. on the clock, like, could you see that, that you people open that in a booster and they're like, holy fuck, this card's terrible. But you're going to let some EDH guys like, do you have a foil one? 
<laughs> that was pure gold. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. High five. High so, five. <laughs> Shoutouts, guys. This is a pretty long episode. Super um, long, dude. And you were only here for like half of it, so, um, I guess I'll start, cause I'm, well, I'm, I'm antsy to finish this. Um, shout out to anyone who actually watched, who gave our coverage a chance, or who, like, took a look. I know, understand that, you know, there, there were more exciting coverage, like the Pro Tour, and obviously, who would want to miss, uh, Patrick Chapin on SCG Live, but to those of you who gave us a shot, at least check this out, um, like MTG Mom, um, off the top of my head, um, uh, Oreo Corp, on Twitter, Medina, uh, Medina. John Medina, Bryce <laughs> Menard, Mark Son, Alan Campbell, uh, Robert Martin, like all of you who, who decided to check us out and, and, and commented, especially people said the uh, uh, the video quality for the games itself were uh, superior to the ones on SCG. So uh, that's a huge compliment for something that was set up for the very first time uh, by someone who did not does not from my understanding like the person that was in charge of all the camera work and everything did not pl- understand magic at all so um that was impressive um shout outs to i don't want to look at this this is not my list <laughs> <laughs> oh this is not your list no oh but, uh, man i thought these shout outs were real i'm like <laughs> to my girlfriend for being really pretty and inviting me to her grandma's house <laughs> I'm like, man, KYT, you got real personal with that one. <laughs> oh. Oh. Shout-outs to, of course, Frank, John again, Alex for uh, doing this. Shout-out to Alex for doing the coverage with me, Rob Anderson for doing the coverage with me, Dave Tellier, um, JSP, whoever else was responsible for setting up the Canadian Magic Tour. It's the best. It's going to be impossible for the next one to be to top this one which is the one in Montreal sadly because Dave Tellier put a lot of money into it um, but uh, hopefully this I mean a lot met a lot of good Canadian magic players and uh, yeah shout outs to all of them that I met uh, that said hi to me and if you want to see some frank draft videos on mana deprived leave some comments because I'm trying to get him to do them because he showed me some of the games and uh they were definitely funny enough to be to be recorded <laughs> so uh, frank yeah i want to shout out to uh the professor jake mazaros uh he he was on uh on the the a team uh like the the episode that came out this week and uh he was trying to build a uh a budget uh, blog deck on MTGO, and I, I gave him a few cards that I picked up drafting, so I, <laughs> I hope he does well with them. And uh, there's two other people I'd like to shout out. Uh, one is uh, Ninja Can in the comments. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy from Quebec, and uh, his girlfriend, uh, Maud, they, they've sent me, like, good feedback on Facebook and... Uh, in the comments too so uh thanks for listening guys and we we appreciate uh, your feedback and i want to shout out uh scotty and jay you know for stirring <laughs> the pot you know <laughs> great entertainment and uh those who don't like it can suck it oh. <laughs> wow that's it
All right. Well, I'll do mine. Uh, I'd definitely like to shout out all everybody who organized and worked on the this DMT Ottawa. Um, it, was, it was an awesome, awesome event, and everybody was really awesome and um, met a lot of cool Canadian Magic players. And I really feel, you know, we're we're gaining something as a community, kind of like uh, the you know the Americans gained from the SEG circuit. And so hopefully we can keep this up. Gotta gotta keep it strong. And of course, thanks to all you guys who who watched us uh, do the live coverage and who were enjoying it. Um, I'd like the shout out to Justin Richardson, who we've given shout outs to before, but this couple of weeks ago he won a PTQ, his first PTQ. So, congrats to you, man! Really deserved it, and uh, so glad that yeah, I'm sure you'll do well on the pro tour. And you know, he, he followed up the next week at the CMT by getting second place in the legacy portion. So. I'm sure we'll have him on uh, one time. Um, we'd like to give uh, an anti-shout-out to uh, Medina's wife. Watch your mouth, man. <laughs> because, uh, you know, we want more Medina, and she she clearly also wants more Medina, but she's taking away our Medina. Well, she you does know? own the Medina, so, like... Uh, yeah, you know? but that's, that's not fair. We want, we want our Medina. <laughs> like, we need more Medina, man. Come on, you can't, can't, can't be pussy-whipped all the time. I know, Willie G. My Perez is going to get pissed. He's been like, where have you been, Medina? <laughs> yeah, seriously, like, you've been, like, you know, in Norway, like, you know, with your wife, you know, coming late to the cast. Like, like wasn't, you know, I think, wasn't, I think you might have to fire you, John, if you, if you stop being, if you don't stop being a, such a slacker. Dude, see what happens. <laughs> if you fire me, just guess what's going to happen, dude. Just guess. Um, the United yeah, States are going to invade Canada or something. That's right, dude. I'm going to send a Twitter army, dude. <laughs> you mean you're going to stop giving us discounts on cards? <laughs> I'm going to charge you like, brick and mortar I, prices. You, 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 know oh. what, you know what, Jonathan? I think Willie G, like, he was having trouble with his girlfriend. You're having trouble with your wife. Like, maybe you should be dating Willie G, you know, like, he, he would cut you slack, you know, when it comes to podcasting. Or or maybe I could, like, answer your question with a question. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask a question, I just suggested that <laughs> you dated Willie G. <laughs> oh, man. There's no coming back from that one. All right. I'd like to give a shout-out shout out as well to uh, Baba Dabucci, also known as Robert Pabianchi. <laughs> for, uh, his, he's a superstar. His, he has two names you can't pronounce. He's going to be the uh, the Edgar Flores of the Canadian Magic Circuit. You you watch, guys. You watch. He's going to be the name you see always in the top eight, you know, doing, doing pro moves with his Splinter Twin deck. And he's only going to run blue-red Splinter Twin while everyone yeah. else goes to blue-red-black and, like, blue-red-green. Yeah. <laughs> and blue-red-white, you know? Yeah, and he's going to be just like, no, blue-red is the way to go. <laughs> he is, he is. And, of course, thanks to everybody who came down with me, Robert Anderson, uh, Peter Sacklas, who honestly does an awesome comic on Manor Deprived. Uh, you should check him out. And uh, um, Dan Lante for letting me crash at his house. Was uh, I actually slept very well, even though uh, even though I had to share a couch with someone else. <laughs> um, and uh, shout out to Mr. Scotty Mack, new MTG dad. He's had a had another kid recently. Congrats to you, Scotty. And uh, 
you you know you've been getting into legacy lately. You told me you asked for he asked for my uh, my my deck list that I played in GP Providence of Bug Control, and he's been apparently loving it. So uh, a lot a lot of feedback and stuff. <laughs> yeah, shout outs to Scotty. Yeah, yeah sorry so, Alex. <laughs> so uh, all right, uh, I, I understand why you guys are laughing now. <laughs> Alright, that, that's, uh, that's, that's my shout out, uh, yeah, and thanks, thank all of you guys for listening and leaving comments. Alright, uh, I gotta do shout outs, right? It's my turn? Yeah. Okay. Your last one. Alright, so, uh, I'm just gonna give a shout out to the, uh, Canadian Magic Tour. Uh, I did watch, uh, a bit of that coverage, um, and that's when I caught Alex and uh, KYT eating pretzels. It was all the <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, so, it's no. hard. We have to keep our, our body weight up, otherwise we get too cold up here. <laughs> You're lucky you didn't see the sleep, the, the, the all the snow going by, you know, in, in the coverage room. <laughs> no, but, I managed to find an igloo that was reasonably closed off. The, uh, the, the videos were very good, like, uh, as far as quality goes. Uh, you guys need more star power though, cause some of those guys, they weren't even smiling, they were just kinda like, ugh. So, <laughs> like, cause the videos were so good, it kinda just made it worse, cause you're just staring at this guy who's just like, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> so, like, tell them to smile or something, man, they're playing a game, you know, it's magic. So anyways, moving along, uh, J.R. Wade, he's, uh, from my, my podcast Untapped, he's a buddy of mine, uh, somebody who, um, I've been out at the trade tables with, we've been working together, and, uh, I, uh, he started to write, I don't know if started to write is the right term, but he wrote an article for Gathering Magic, and, uh, it was a, it was basically about some lessons that he learned at the trade table, and uh, I enjoyed reading it, and I recommend that you go and check it out. It's called, uh, the article is titled, uh, Mispricing Damnation. And it's on uh, it's on galleriemagic.com. So shout out to Jr. for trying to dabble in the writing world uh, and for hooking it up at the trade tables. Um, also want to give a shout out to a brand new face to the magic community. Uh, actually, I mean he's been playing magic for some time, but this is the I'm kind of like bringing him out and uh, and unleashing him on the community. His his name is TJ. Another like. Uh, two-letter name, <laughs> but uh, his name is TJ. He's a buddy of mine. He's from my home playgroup when I first started playing Magic, and he's a smartass just like me, a uh, funny guy. He's been writing stuff on my website, uh, mtgmetagame.com, and uh, I want to just plug his writing. Uh, check it out. He's really funny, and, uh, you know, he just writes kind of off-the-wall stuff. His, uh, his bio picture it has him like holding a knife in his mouth. So that's gotta be awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like if you don't read his stuff, he'll he'll come after you. <laughs> it's crazy, man. He's got like three knives. He's got one in each hand and one in his mouth. So uh it's awesome. So shout out to TJ, uh check out his stuff on uh mtgmetagame.com. And then I got more shout outs, they're just gonna keep coming. Uh wanna give a shout out to the A team, uh our podcasting brothers. Um, they, they had a, they took a little bit of a beating this week, uh, because they talked about the brick and mortar pricing structure and, you know, a bunch of people got all pissed off about it and whatever. Um, but I just want to tell them just to keep keeping on. I know Scotty listens. You might not have time to listen to this cast cause he's, uh, 
he's a new daddy. Uh, congratulations on that, Scotty. But uh, just kind of give the A-team a shout-out, and, uh, you know, I hope that everyone else uh, just understands that, hey, we're in podcast business, we're going to share opinions. Uh doesn't mean that, you know, anybody has to get, like, upset with the with people personally, you know? So, shout-out to, can't give the A-team a shout-out without giving Untapped a shout-out. Uh, they flew solo without me, and... What?! <laughs> yeah, I gotta give Untap a shout out. Man. No, I mean like, how could they fly solo without you? We didn't. We waited for you. <laughs> well, they, well, they had to, they had to do a cast, and I wasn't around, so they did it, and it was awesome. So shout out to Untapped. Uh, you can listen to the Untapped cast at uh, untappedcast.com. Check it out. Uh, shout out to Drew. Hey Drew, I know you're listening. Uh, I told you I was gonna send you some cards. I haven't done it yet um, because I have a whole bunch of other crap that I'm doing. So. Sorry about that. Uh, I will send them. Uh, don't complain because they're free. Anyways, moving on. Oh, I want to give a shout out to Lauren Lee. Uh, she's awesome, you know. Yeah. Uh, she's kind of she's my editor over at Star City, uh, and uh, she makes my writing look good. So I just want to give her a shout out. You know. Yeah, it's a pretty hard job. Yeah, it's hard, man. You take an idiot like me to like chicken scratch, and then you make it into a masterpiece. You know. <laughs> You're, you're just a knowledgeless fool, man. The trades cards. Did she did she come up with the RoboCop analogy, or was that yours? That was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, check this out. I'm getting Eric Klug to alter uh, Karn into RoboCop with my face. What? Yeah. That's sick. Man, except for the part that, like, ruins it, you know? Your face part. Like, you should also make him alter the first ability to say engage. (laughs) Oh, man, that would be sick. I probably will do that now that you mention it. Oh, man, for sure. Shout out to Eric Blue. (laughs) And then maybe the ultimate could read BAM for something like that. (laughs) That would be sick. Yeah, did, did you guys know that Lauren Lee was an editor for my site? MTG Metagame before she became editor for Star City? I knew. I did not. Yeah. I didn't know about either you or Lauren Lee before Star City. Yeah, me and Lauren Lee go way back, dude. Oh, yeah? Oh, she she loves you long time, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I just want to give her a shout-out because she's been really uh, kicking butt at the... Uh, the editing stuff on Star City, and she's got some different projects that she's been working on, and I think it's uh, it's pretty awesome to see that stuff come to fruition. So for her, hopefully they reprint Mulder after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it's like uh, we we've all started on Twitter pretty much. We met on Twitter pretty much at the same time. Me, you, her, and Joey. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to see uh, all of you. Uh, Doing well. well. Yeah, doing well in your projects, so. Yeah, it's really cool. A lot of us grew up on Twitter together. Uh, Joey Pasco, um, freaking, uh, Scotty Mac, uh, you know, all these people, they're just like, starting to turn into like magic celebrities and we were all kinda on Twitter at the same time. Yeah. Well, you're, you're the celebrity, so. <laughs> no way, dude, come on. Twitter account wise. <laughs> oh man, my Twitter account is crushing it, dude. We're gonna hit three thousand soon. Three thousand followers. I'm not gonna press until you go over nine thousand. 
That's crazy, dude. 3,000 followers? What the hell's going on here? Must be like that, like, people like magic or something. Yeah, I guess. Must be. You talk about magic, right, Alex? <laughs> Not that how, much on Twitter. How many followers you got? I've got uh, a good amount of followers, considering I don't go uh, at giving out free gifts randomly. Like, hey, guess what, guys? If I get over 50 more followers, I'll give a free beta lotus out. <laughs> High five. <laughs> <laughs> too, too slow. <laughs> Dude, you were dragging it on. I wanted you to finish yeah, so I could throw it in there. High five. High five. I wish we could, like, give a prize for the number of times, like, for whoever listens to be able to tell us how many high fives you guys said. Well, the problem is that one of us would have to count it. And, yeah. yeah. And I have no freaking clue, so. Oh, I know. I know. I got it. All right. I, I know every. I, I remember everything. I'm like the elephant man, I never forget. <laughs> the elephant man. <laughs> yeah, your face is pretty much like the elephant man too. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh man. Alright. With that we gotta end this in like three actually, hours. You actually played him in the movie though, right, John? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a movie star too, that's why I have three thousand followers. Well I actually don't have three thousand, just so you guys know. This is not not yet. I don't know, maybe by the time this cast comes out, man. No, no, we're not even close. No, no, you're really close, man. You're really close. Don't worry. High five. High five. (laughs) (laughs) All right, see you guys next week. Goodbye. Oh, I wanted to do it. My king ho, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to do it.